Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Big Sills! Welcome aboard. Love the Christmas time. You know what Christmas time also tells me? We're getting closer to playoff time. And you better know who you are. You better have an idea what your identity is if you're an NFL team. It's funny. I look at the Cowboys and the Niners. They're trending up. I look at the Eagles. They're trending down. Okay? Thank you, Chuck. Chuck, just so you know, we so appreciate you coming aboard. And just to tell you guys, I know there's so many options out there. You guys could go anywhere. But you come here, and we so appreciate it, and we thank you very much. Okay, let the gaslighting begin. Okay, I will. Okay, LJ, follow along with me here. I heard something Tone said earlier on Sports Take. By the way, I love all our shows on Jacob Sports. It's a great channel. It's the best channel in Philly. It is absolutely. I mean, without a doubt. Guys are doing a great job. I heard something Tone said. And it made me dive deeper into all the changes that have happened with the Eagles personnel-wise. And I didn't realize it was this significant. And I'm not just talking about players. Let's do that for a second here. You know, he was talking, and let me reference it. He was talking about some of the position coaches that were in new roles this year. Let's go to the players first here with this. The replacing of the linebackers pretty much outside of Hassan Reddick has been the entire room. Uh, the replacing of Gardner Johnson, Epps, Hardgrave, Sayamalu, Sanders. I mean, personnel, we've hammered this enough. Okay? Well, let me throw this at you here. You're right. It's easy to go to the low-hanging fruit when you're talking about the coordinators. But I looked at the Eagles coaching staff for 2023 and I took the quality control coaches that were at the bottom of the pecking order. I took them out of this conversation for a second. Now, mind you, you have to understand that's not a dismissive position any longer. Many head coaches come out of that, 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 that department. Why? Because organizations hire them. Okay, organizations hire the quality control. Head coaches don't hire pretty much the quality control guys. They're more working with the analytics people. They're the people that break down the game film. So 
Nowadays, back then it used to be the coffee coaches where you just got your coaches coffee. Now it's in a Brandon Staley, Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen. Go down the list of all these coaches that you see in the league today. They were all quality control. John Gruden came out of that. It's becoming more of an important role. But we're going to exclude that. So I have, and I counted about 22 coaches that are in the Eagle coaching staff and working for Nick Sirianni. How many coaches do you think this year the front office has changed out of those 23 coaches, 22 coaches, and put them in first-year roles with the Eagle coaching staff? How, how many of those guys out of the 22? What would you say? What if I told you half? Half the coaching staff has new roles this year. Half of the coaching staff is in a new position. New DC, first year. Brian Johnson, first year. DJ Elliott, linebacker coach, first year. DK McDonald, first year DB coach, was with the team at 21, new role. Alex Tennell, first year quarterback coach. Been with the team three years, first year as the QB coach. Rennell Williams, first year nickel coach, quality control. Marcus Brady, senior Offensive assistant, first-year role. Matt Patricia, first-year defensive analyst. Tyler Brown, first-year special teams assistant. Taver Johnson, first-year assistant DB coach. TJ Pagnetti, first-year running game coach, assistant coach to the running game. Tyler Scrudel, first-year assistant linebacker coach. You turned half the roster over on your coaching staff and gave them new roles. You cleaned out basically your entire coaching staff and elevated people because people had to be replaced. I didn't realize that they replaced half the staff. Shit. No wonder you got a different voices and different direction in the building. You changed out almost your entire defense and you changed out your coaching staff. That's incredible that they're 10 and 3. It's absolutely incredible. Half the coaching staff is in new roles. It's not just the coordinators. These are all first year guys in first year roles. It's not just that the OC was changed, the assistant under the OC was changed. All by Howie. They changed that entire coaching staff out almost. Except for Stoutland and Rocker and a few others. That's insane. You came off a Super Bowl. Hey, I didn't realize Jonathan Gannon and Shane Steichen took a boatload of those guys from the Eagle coaching staff. Holy shit. 
You changed half your staff. You're going to get a completely different view on how to move the sticks. Guys in here are talking like they know what they're doing in the organization. I don't know what you're talking about, dude. Upper management is the make or break demise of a workplace. Gannon and Steichen took a lot of guys. You changed your whole coaching staff almost. The entire coaching staff is completely different than your Super Bowl staff. Do you think you're going to get a little different look? And how you're going to approach defense and offense? Common sense. Use it. Try it. Some of you with lowbrow thinking and mental um, disabilities when it comes to football, follow me. You changed your entire coaching staff almost. Or at least half of it. Half your staff has changed. And they were first-year guys. So wait a minute. Get this right. You changed half your coaching staff with guys or first-year coordinators, first-year assistants, first-year linebacker coaches, first-year in roles of being quarterback. So let me get this right. Jalen Hurts has a first-year quarterback coach and a first-year offensive coordinator. Oh, my God. <laughs> you you might as well have hired a high school coach to coach a kid. Holy cow. How about getting somebody with some knowledge? Look at what, hey, even they bring in Matt Nagy, a former NFL head coach in Kansas City, to be behind Andy Reid. You may not think the offense is rolling right. Kansas City's still going to make the playoffs. And it may not look the right. Hey, by the way, Patrick Mahomes doesn't look right, right? Because they changed out a coordinator. Oh, but not your guy. Not your guy. <laughs> right? It's easy to control a bunch of rookie staff members. That's what Tone's saying. Holy shit. This is worse than I thought. Worse than I thought. Man, what an absolute monster control freak Howie Roseman is. The entire coaching staff was turned over by Nick. Are you nuts? Don't lie to yourselves. Hey, one thing I'll tell you, like I told you, after the Niner game, Howie Roseman was exposed in my eyes. So was Nick. That's why Nick said, everything's cool. We're not changing anything. He, You know why he's not changing anything? Because he can't. I heard you guys talking. Is it the right thing to do? Yeah, you should dummy down your playbook more, actually. Do the things you do best. Not expand it to things you don't even know what to do. Or get it. Hey, that's it. Go to a screen game. Something that Jalen doesn't do well. Why would I do that? Go to the RPO. He does great at that. Why would you go to a screen game when he has shown in two years and a half of starting that that's not part of his repertoire? However, the RPO is, why not put that back in? No, you'd rather do something 
completely different that goes further away from his skill set? Why? That's poor coaching. Let's figure a way out how to help Jalen do something he's not good at. No. I want to tailor it back to what he does best. You hear the guys on IP talking all the time. Hey, we got to see more of this, more of that. No, you don't. You got to see more of what they do best. When you're struggling, you don't start coming up with shit out of the sky to go, hey, let's try this. Hey, let's try that. Hey, let's try this. Can the kid do it? Oh, I don't know. Dude, you don't put a game plan together when it comes to theory on whether or not you think a guy's skill set fits that. You tailor make the offense. That's what Shane Steichen was great at. He wasn't going to put a system together. Hey, and by the way, I now look at Shane Steichen last year when he had to put Gardner Minshew in the starting lineup. You know what he said? He went like this. Fuck it. I'm not changing the system because I don't want to change the system for one guy who's going to only be there for two days. And that's why the guy didn't look very good in those games. But when he got to Indianapolis, he changed it because he knew he had to use them because Anthony Richardson got hurt. Actually, it's smart. He didn't, he didn't want to deviate off the game plan. That's why we kept saying, why is he running RPOs with Gardner Mitchell? We can't jump over a quarter. Now I know why. He, he was just a Band-Aid until Jalen came back. Steichen was right not to change him. He goes, hey, man, two games. We got the lead. We're going to win the um, home field advantage. We're going to win the NFC East. I'm not changing that offense up for, for eight quarters. We're not doing that. Okay? Philly 500, what are you doing, brother? I appreciate you coming in, man. You changed out 12. Let me count it again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. 12 of the 22 guys over half your staff this past offseason. And your coordinators. And you don't think you're going to tumble a little bit through the season. I'll tell you this. I'm stunned. They're 10 and 3. That is the hardest 10 and 3 I've ever seen a team fight for. I have never seen anything that was so hard to fight for than that 10 and 3. I'll tell you this. You know why it doesn't. It's a 10 and 3 record. You know what it feels like? That thing feels like an eight and five record. It feels like eight and five. They have fought and fought. It's to the character of the men and to Jalen. Okay. Honestly, LJ goes winning teams lose coaches, half the roster of coaches. They got first-year guys in new roles in 12 spots on the coaching staff. Who hired them? Who hired them? Who hired those 12 guys? You want to know something? Most of them were hired from within. And they all come from the quality control department. 
which is a department that works side-by-side with the analytics guys. Do you know what a quality control coach does? He breaks film down. He takes the intel that the analytics department gives him. And that quality control coach gives it to the defense or offensive coordinator who then break it down themselves with position coaches, then pass it to the players. That's the chain of command. Do you know? That's why many of the coaches in the NFL today come out of that department. Philly would never hire a high-profile name. Howie is a weasel and control freak. Wake up, people. It's pretty obvious what's going on. Don't be stupid. Let me ask you something. Do you think that offense since 2021 has become more creative or less creative? The quarterback's gotten better. Let's talk about the offense. Do you think that offense has improved? Or has it gone like this? Has it gone like this? Or no, I don't think that much. Like this. It's regressed. The offense is regressed. Why? Nothing the quarterback's doing. Shit, I had a topic here that was going to say, you think it's Jalen or do you think it's coaches? Shit, I think it's Howie. Howie is stunting this quarterback's growth with people around him. I'm going to give you something. I was really, man, I'll tell you one thing. I got to say this about my coach, Jimmy Johnson. Thank you, coach. On my Twitter page, my guy. I'll always be a Jimmy Johnson guy. He tweeted out my guy. And me and Michael Irvin, you know, it's it's really great. And I, I appreciate that, coach. Why do you think he took every single assistant coach from the University of Miami with him to Dallas? And they won three Super Bowls with that staff. Jimmy said, the only way you win Super Bowls are the quality assistant coaches around you. If you don't have quality assistant coaches around you, I don't give a shit what your name is, who you are, what you have, what it is, what you think you are. If you don't have guys you can trust and you don't have guys that are talented assistant coaches, you're not going to win. It you, you can't be everywhere. You know, I hear people saying this about Nick. So Nick can oversee. No. Okay? Nick is not Jimmy Johnson. And Nick, get this, Nick's overseeing a kindergarten class. He doesn't have quality assistant coaches around him outside of Stoutland. Maybe Rocker. Okay, I'm probably missing one other guy, but I'm there's not enough there's not enough quality assistant coaches in your coaching staff. Or at least experienced. If you want to go there, you can either use experience or quality. Look at some of the coaching staffs. Look at the coaching staff that you have with Sean McVay. Look at this. You want to know why lesser lesser talented teams win? Because they got great coaching staffs. You got Raheem Morris, former head coach, DC. And you got McVay. McVay trusts him. You got great assistant coaches in Los Angeles with the Rams. You got great, 
Look at what they did in um, San Francisco. When D'Amico Ryans left for the Houston job, you know what they did? They went and got a more experienced because instead of getting somebody with lesser experience, they went and got somebody with more experience. Why? Because the players would respect that instead of bringing another guy in with maybe less experience. You don't bring in lesser experience coordinators than the guys who have more experience that are playing. The Eagle players have more experience than Sean Desai does as a D coordinator. You want to know why these players are shaking their freaking head walking off the sidelines? Because they know better than their coaches. They're smarter than their they're smarter than their coaches. The only way and the only position you don't see people bitching at is the O-line. You're not going to fight Jeff Stoutland. You're not going to go against him. Hey, by the way, he must be just absolutely pulling his hair out. He, he's the run. He's the run game coordinator. <sighs> Holy cow, he's stealing money if that's the case. You know what this comes down to? You're falling back into the Carson Wentz trap. Boy, oh, do I say it? I hope you don't ruin the kid. You ruined one already. You ruined one MVP. Are you going to do it again? You've already ruined one. You've shown you can ruin one. All you guys like to do is blame Wentz. Well, they had a hand in it. They had a hand in Wentz's demise. They totally did. Instead of working with them, how we went against them. Bringing in shittier coaches, not making any move. I asked Tone to look up the transactions in Doug Peterson's last year. He made like two. He didn't want Doug to win. He already had it preconceived in his mind he was going to make a move. Or he was going to battle for the move. And he was going to gamble, Doug or me. Owner went with the guy who handles the cash. Dude, this is really, I don't know. You know, I, I, I hear people today with optimism going forward. Let's see if you can get out of your own way. Do you have the talent to beat Seattle? Of course. Do you have a, do you have the talent to beat a guy who was just named the NFC Player of the Week, Tommy DeVito? You should beat him. They're not that good. Good for him. Good for that kid. Look at, look at Brian Dable. Brian Dable's working with a lesser talented kid because he's an experienced OC. What do you think Brian Dable would bring to Jalen Hurts? What do you think any quality OC would do? <laughs> you changed half your coaching staff out. Half your coaching staff, over half. Of your 22, you changed 12. The first year rolls. You think that's a lot? Plus the coordinators? And you hire first year guys. 
for a $50 million quarterback. <laughs> and if you look at your secondary guys, so your secondary coach and your assistant secondary coach are all on first-year roles. And you're paying the corners $30 million. I want to make sense of this. I, I really, I want to make sense of this. How, how, how can I make sense of this? Make sense of it. Godfrey goes, our Eagle team is still a must-watch by NFL. The world is watching to see if we bounce back. You're not going to Super Bowl. That's not a Super Bowl team. It's not a Super Bowl coaching staff. It never was. Maybe last year. Never. You're not going anywhere. Don't kid yourself. That thing's not going anywhere as predicted. Funny, I predicted the Cowboys to go to the Super Bowl and beat you. I don't think you make it to the NFC title game. I'd be shocked. You're going to make the playoffs, but you are getting bounced. And probably rudely. You don't have it. You don't have the coaching staff or the direction. Here's a, here, here, let me give you the quote out of Nick. I really like what we're doing. I don't think I need to be involved. He gives you some sort of like um, White House chief of staff uh, comment. Here, where is this thing? Here it is. Nick Siriana changing who is calling plays for the Eagles. I do not think that is the issue. Really? So he thinks it's hurts then. If he doesn't think it's the coaches, he's covering for Howie. Is it Jalen? Isn't that blaming Jalen Hurts? That's a quote from Nick. He's blaming Jalen. Nick Sirianni on changing who is calling the plays for the Eagles. I do not think that's the issue. Oh. 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 I think Brian Johnson's doing a good job. <laughs> uh, I need to be able to manage the game the way I see fit. Two and five? Dude, where are you going with that mentality? When you know what the result was. So somehow you think Nick Sirianni became a better play caller? This is stupid, really. This is so stupid. How close do you think Nick is to losing the locker room? Players reaching out to reports, a.k.a. Um, Diva Brown. That's a receipt for a disaster. Um, I don't think he's in any, any place of losing the locker room. You know why? It's not his locker room. Never was. It's Howie's locker room. Who do you think pats the players on the back at the front door or on the sidelines when they run off the field when things are going good? How many times does a coach walk into the locker room, first guy he meets is Howie, 
how he's greeting the troops as they come back in after he sends them out for a glorious victory. How many times have I told you, hey, there's Howie there running up and down the sidelines in L.A. Like a TV star. There he is, you know. After the Indianapolis game a year ago when he brought in Linville Joseph and Adam Kutsu. Oh, I brought these guys in. I, I saved the season. Dude, your quarterback is, you know what? Your quarterback is better than I think he is. He is. This is kudos to him. He's better than I think he is. Hey, five-star goes, if we bring back the RPO, you'll eat your words. Okay. Amen. Yes. Sure. I'll eat crow. Absolutely, five-star. If you bring the RPO back, absolutely. That's what I paid $50 million for. Yes. You ain't, though. You ain't got to worry about it. I think they're trying to make, hey, you see, you got something. You know what they did? They sped up the development of Hurts hastily like they did with Wentz. First, they sped it up with the money. Then they sped it up with the lack of coordinators. Then they tried changing him. Every Dude, they're repeating themselves with what they did with Wentz. The only difference is that Hurts has metal. I'm going to get to Jalen in a minute here, okay? Jalen has metal. He's not going to melt down. They basically wore met a weak-minded Wentz out. They destroyed that guy by not putting people around him that were quality and good enough. Dude, the worst thing that would have ever happened to Doug Peterson would have been if he won another Super Bowl. Because then how he would have been fired. How he would have been fired. He's not a great drafter. So let me get this right. And Howie Roseman's 23 years in the organization. Devontae, Carter, Hurts. I think Stoutland found Mulata and Lane because you got to remember Chip found Jason Kelsey. Or no, Andy did. Huh. You're killing this quarterback. You changed 12 dudes and 22 guys out on the coaching staff on defense and offense and special teams this year into first-year roles, hiring coordinators in first-year roles, and took the RPO out of the offense. You're a lesser team. I can't believe you're 10-3. and three. By the way, that 10-3 and three record just shows you when you play against quality teams, you got your faces kicked in. So anytime you play a great team, you're going to get killed. The Ravens will kill you too. 
I heard Tone say something. I don't think there's any coincidence that the Baltimore Ravens defense is running around like their hair on fire, and that's been a massive improvement in Baltimore. It's true. Yeah, you, you had a position coach that wanted to be the DC. They didn't want him. You 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 missed on that too. Hold on. Seal says a few weeks ago, ten and three is not look. Yeah, I didn't know it was. Uh, I I'm not saying. Look, no, no, no. You didn't you hear what I said a couple minutes ago? I told you. I think it's unbelievable where you are, ten and three. I think it's unbelievable how you have fought. And how you have grinded to get to 10 and 3 feels like an 8 and 5 team. It's incredible. It's just, it, you look like an 8 and 5 team. You're, how come the Cowboys are trending up and you're trending down? It's week 15. We haven't played our best ball. Our offense is going to get better. No, it's not. It can't. You know why? You don't have the creativity nor the mental capacity to improve that football team. You have nothing. That's The coaches aren't going to save you. Now, this brings me to Hurts. I need more from Jalen. He's the only thing that can save this. He's the reason you're 10 and 3. Hurts is the only person that can save this. Son, you need to play better and you need to be a better leader. No one says it. You know why? They revere the kids so much, as I do. Best record in the NFL, still against winning teams. I need more from Hurts. I need more from him. You need to play better. You need to fight these guys. No one's fighting for the team. The analytics guys, Howie Roseman and Nick, all think things are well. Jalen, you got to be a better leader. You're not leading well enough. It's not enough. When you see a play that's not something that you think, get this, I would rather have Jalen Hurts throw a pick six on his decision-making right now than listening to Brian Johnson call a series. You know why? Because at least it came from the person I'm paying the most and the person I trust the most. I don't trust anybody in that organization at all when it comes to organizing a game plan. Where's Jeff Stoutland? Why isn't he more vocal when it comes to running the ball? Or is he collecting a paycheck too? You guys keep saying run the ball. Well, they're not listening. Why? Somebody has to be making that decision. Is it Nick? No. Nick has a whisper in the locker room, not a voice. The guy who greets the players at the front door and the coaches at the front door has the voice. Jalen, I need, I need more leadership from you. You need to act more like, I get this. Maybe Mahomes is not acting poorly. Maybe. Hey, frustration? Get this. That's a two-time NFL Super Bowl MVP. Three AFC championships. Five consecutive conference appearances. And he's bitching 
I've never heard that guy bitch. I think that's a flaw. Tom Brady bitches. You goes, some of you go, well, look at the equity he has. You don't think Jalen Hurts has equity in that locker room? I have 50 million reasons why he does. Dude, how come every time I see scenes when he walks off the field, Hurts has more, more confidence than your head coach? Don't you feel that? When you when you when you watch Hurts walk off the field in a good moment or bad moment, how come I feel he has more confidence? Would it be safe to say experienced coaches don't want to work with Howie, so he has no chance but to roll the dice on inexperienced coaches? No, that's an organizational design. Many, by the way, you bring up a good point, Des. Des, that's by design in many places. But let me show you the one thing that Jerry Jones did. Jerry Jones didn't give a shit about any of that. He hired the most experienced coach he could find who handled. You know what makes Mike McCarthy um, a better coach than many people give him credit for? Because Aaron Rodgers took a shit on him, and now we found out Rodgers is wrong. He is a good play caller. Mike McCarthy has coached the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys. Two heritage franchises in pro football. And he's done a hell of a job with Dak, and he's won a lot of games in Dallas. I would make this contention to you that he's probably the most successful coach that they have had since Jimmy. It's, hey, it's not really a high bar when you look at all the failures. Parcells did a nice job. I think he's doing a better job than Parcells. You don't want to hear that. That's too bad. I'd rather have Mike McCarthy than Nick Sirianni as my coach. At least the guy's done something. Coach Brett Favre, and he's coached Aaron Rodgers and Dak. And won a Super Bowl. I mean, oh, Nick Sirianni. I hear guys in our own network. He's a far better coach than Mike McCarthy. With what resume are you matching that up with? Seriously, man. What are you talking about? Shit, the guy in the guy with the Rams is better. I mean, hey, I need more from Jalen Hurts. He needs to be more of a leader, a vocal one. Make your voice heard. No, I'm not doing that. Everything goes along. It's like a go-along organization. Coach makes the play. Player plays the play. No wonder he walks over to the sidelines shaking his head going, this thing ain't working here like this. It's just not working. You're running the RPO 50 times less than you did a year ago at this point. You know that? You're going to run less than 100 RPOs this year. And last year, you ran 150. So you took those dynamic 50 plays out of Jalen Hurts' talent bag 
And you don't think one of those plays, a 50 plays, could be the difference in blowouts, wins, changing direction in a series? Really? Hey, guys like LJ keep bringing 10 and 3 up. It's all good, dude. It's all good. You're not winning a Super Bowl, guy. Not with that shit bag. That shit bag of a roster this year on defense and with the coaches that are new, all of them, never happened. It's the most inexperienced football. Shit, you could make this comment. That's the most inexperienced football team, coaching staff-wise, coordinator-wise in the league, especially with the contenders. There's not one football team that's a contender right now that has as much inexperience than the Eagles do. That's a fair statement. 12 new position coaches, coordinators. I don't know. You tell me. That's what I said to you a few weeks ago, Sills. I said, when is he going to speak up? He doesn't give a shit how much he's making. He wants to win. Joseph. Look, man, it's hard to change a guy's makeup, and I get it. It's hard to change a guy's makeup into being like a rah-rah guy. Well, dude, man, you got to be more involved. If you see something, how many times have you seen J- – so Jalen Hurts is sitting back. Here, here's a prime example of what they're doing to him and stunting his growth. Hurts is still struggling reading secondaries. That guy is not progressively getting better at reading defenses. The one thing that he used to have the ability of was the RPO. Why would you take that away and go to something that he struggled with and why he had his job taken away from him in Alabama? And you sped the process up. Shit, Patrick Mahomes to this day says that he's still learning how to read defenses. Tom Brady said the reason that he studied so much that he's that he studied so much is because you never get tired and you never get done learning how to read defenses because you know why coordinators come up with new schemes on how to stop you every freaking game not every year every game did you hear one of the things that Sean Desai said that Dan Quinn, you know who Dan Quinn is? He was part of the people that build the Legion of Doom in Seattle. You understand that? So you may think he's a shitty head coach. There's no coincidence that the Legion of Boom, he won a Super Bowl up there in Seattle as the DC. You forget that, right? And let's not forget, he did take a team to the Super Bowl. Like your boy Nick did. Did you hear what Desai said at his press? I listened to it live. You hear what he said? Yeah, man. Uh, The Cowboy guys came out of their trends. I was like, come again? Yeah, they went off script. They did things in the game that they usually don't do. So you weren't prepared for that? 
Mike McCarthy coached the shit out of that team. And, you know, when you – hey, Seals, we would both get fired in less than a week if we – that's right, Q. Hey, you know when Tone said this? I heard this from the size mouth himself today at his presser. You know when Tone said, man, you see Sirianni going like this? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look confused. Sean Desai said at his presser, okay, at his presser, yeah, they came off script and they came off trend. They were doing things out there that they hadn't done. And you weren't prepared? Right from the guy's mouth. Right from the guy's mouth. It floored me. McCarthy went off script. And the things that he had done in the Eagle game, Eagle game one, he changed the script. They were doing crossing routes they hadn't seen before. They were doing things with guys like Tony Pollard and, and Jake Ferguson that they hadn't seen in game one. And you weren't prepared for that? Oh, that's right. Training wheels. Sean Desai admitted, basically, that Mike McCarthy completely outcoached him. Weren't ready. So they have this cookie-cutter game plan that they put. It This totally makes so much more sense. They have this cookie-cutter game plan that they put together on a Saturday. And they have preconceived notions on what they're going to do. Their in-game adjustments are as pathetic as any high school football coach I have ever seen coach. You don't walk, you walk into a game with the first script at 22. And after that, the rest of the game is adjustments. That's why you see a play sheet. And you know what you get in your ear? You get position coaches and spotters going. They're playing two over the top, playing two over the top. Let's go, let's go underneath. You'll go down to play 23, and you'll try to get a block and release on, on a tight end on a linebacker. It's constant readjusting. No way. How could you readjust when you got first-year coaches all and everybody? You know that headset must sound chaotic because people must be just talking over one another and there's no, like, communication between the coaches. You know, we talk about linebacker communication. I would say this, that the communications between all these first-year guys, it's, it must sound like a – it must sound like static. Because it sure looks like it on the field. What about the wide open receivers we're not throwing to all day? Charlie, here. Here's what I'm saying to you. This is where you're stunting Jalen Hurts' growth. Jalen Hurts 
the offensive line's doing a great job this year, pass blocking. Hertz is doing a poor job this year reading defenses because they sped that process up and they took the RPO out. He's not a drop back quarterback. Dude, it wouldn't, sh- now, you know what? I didn't think he was going to have 15 turnovers or 16 turnovers, INTs. He's going to. He's going to have a ton of, he's going to be right up there with the leaders and turnovers this year in the NFL. He's already up there now with the fumbles and shit. He's going to be right up there with the most turnovers this year. You could, you could alleviate this by putting back the number one thing that made the offense run. You know, I wonder if this is an owner's thing. Because you know that the owner wants to have a big-time passing offense, and he wants the whole thing to look like, like you know, the rest of the league and catch it. And they're right to think that, because you know why? You want to take advantage of all the rules that are in the NFL today. You totally want to take advantage of that. But in the process, do you do that with limited coaches, less experienced coaches, Predictable plays in an offense that hasn't evolved since 2021. You know what? Jalen Hurts has evolved. The offense hasn't. Is that fair? And Jalen Hurts was ascent was doing this. And all of a sudden, it's this. Why? Well, the environment around him changed. The environment around him changed. Dude, I swear to you, I had a topic here, coaching or hurt. Shit, it ain't hurts. It is totally not hurts. It's the environment around him. McMullen even said the offense hasn't evolved since 21. Well, shit. If the offense hasn't, look at Senor. RPO freezes the linebackers all day. Absolutely. 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 Hey, senor, do you agree with me? Last year, Jalen Hurts single-handedly shut down, not even with a great game, but he single-handedly shut down the 49er linebackers. Do you agree with that, senor? Look at what he did to Greenlaw and Fred Warner the two best dynamic duo linebackers in the NFL. Okay? The 49er D was lost because they were second-guessing. Correct! Can I tell you this? Jalen Hurts is brilliant. I've never seen an RPO guy who was basically a wildcat guy that accurate. That was one of my biggest comments last year. That is the guy everyone envisioned 10 years ago when they brought in the Wildcat. They wanted to find a guy who could throw the ball with accuracy and had guts, could open field run, all of that. He's that guy today that they wanted back then. Instead, they took that element out. And the thing that Jalen struggles the most with still to this day, there's two really. He's gotten better at picking up blitzes. He still struggles a little bit with internal blitzing and the reading of progressions. But that's every quarterback. It's not a Hurts thing. A lot of quarterbacks 
Shit, the guy in Buffalo still struggles with that shit. Joe Burrow struggles. Patrick Mahomes does. This is not uncommon. This is this is called player development. You ruined Wentz. And you're now in the process of ruining him again because of control. This is the shit Doug Peterson was talking about. This is why your quarterbacks never evolve into being what they can be. And they haven't in 20 years in Philly. Every quarterback that you have had, isn't it ironic? The quarterback that won the Super Bowl was a backup. Every quarterback that you have had since he's owned a team has never been developed to the best of their ability because of control, organizational control. Am I wrong? You think McNabb was the best he could possibly be? Do do you really think that Wentz was? Did you continue to build around him? Are you building around Jalen? So you got him a wide receiver. Why not get him? Hey, think of this. You give Jalen Hurts $50 million. You give the wide receiver $20 million. You draft the first-round guy. And you turn your staff over with first-year people in new roles going into this year, coming off a of Super Bowl. The entire team has regressed. But it's not uncommon. You got new people in new roles. Get this. I just looked it up on the internet like you guys did. This is not an epiphany. This, this, I heard Tone say something about the DB coach, and I said, you know what? Let me expand on that and see how many coaches they actually did change out and put in first-year roles. They put 12 of the 22 up. Over half your staff are new people in new roles. I mean, you pay a guy 50 million and you surround him with how he's, and by the way, just so you know, when I say to you about the analytics department, the analytics department in Philly, like in Los Angeles with the Chargers, and some other places are just as important as any department in that building. You know why? The Jeffrey Laurie and Howie hired those guys. Nick didn't hire the quality control guys. Those are the people that work with the analytics people. I'd say to you, the brand new head football coaches that we see in the NFL today come out of that department because they know how to work with analytics. And that's where you get your game plan from. It's from the quality control guys. They hand you the information. They break everything down for you. 
You show them on film. You cut the film up. You give them. You see what the quality control guy does. He gets the intel from the analytics guy. He'll go in there and he'll get the game film of the teams that you're going to play. And he'll put them on. He'll put them on a DVD or whatever it is. And they'll they'll put it in. They'll they'll have 20 plays of that play. And the coaches will make their game plan off that. Frank Reich told you that's exactly how it goes. And so you go from what that department and the front office say on building your game plan. This is where I think Jalen would be. The percentages are saying this on third and six. If Jalen throws here, they're trying. This is why when you build a game plan, like they build a game plan, it's preconceived on Saturday because they're going with the numbers. They're, they're, they play a percentage game. That's why the defense plays a percentage uh, zone defense. Dude, I think one of the most embarrassing things I've ever seen that the Eagles had this year was when Josh Allen was exposing the defense on every play. When he was running that guy in motion and your guy stopped, I don't, I don't, a high school guy could figure that out. Anybody could. It, it, it's so unbelievably easy to read your defense and offense. There's no creativity on offense, and defense you're about as predictable as you can get. And when you put lesser talent out there and lesser experienced coaches, that's why you're last in the NFL in every department on your defense, last in points almost, third down. Every quarterback that is anything worth the shit has like career games versus you. You're not going to beat anybody in the playoffs like that. And your team's gotten worse. You know, supposedly you're supposed to be going like this as we get to the playoffs. You're going like this. You know that peaking too early? Hey, oh, you 10 and 3 guys? I think you peaked too early. Dude, there's no way in hell I think you're going up to Seattle and that thing's going to be some sort of like 10-point win. I'm not sure yet. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure yet. I'm just not. I don't know. Especially when you hear your head coach, and then you hear Desai say this. Again, I have to reiterate. I have hey, hey, senor, I have to reiterate. Yeah. Go back and watch it on Eagles Twitter. Sean Desai's press conference. You'll hear him say, Yeah, they came off script. Um, they came off tendency. And I was like, come again? Mike McCarthy changed the looks of the routes up from the previous game, and that confused them? (laughs) You play in the NFL. You're supposed to recognize that shit as a player and coordinator and assistants. No wonder they didn't know what they were doing. And it looked like they didn't know where they were lined up. Guys were chasing. Guys were playing behind the ball. Hey, senor, you heard that comment, didn't you? Tell me, hey, senor, tell me that didn't, that didn't shock you when he admitted that. And people in the press room didn't press him on the question to follow up. So wait a minute, Mike McCarthy gave you guys a different look and you couldn't adjust? Or what would have been the reasoning for that? 
You don't ask very hard questions at those press conferences. You just don't. That's why Bill Belichick, by the way, doesn't have his assistant coaches ever do press conferences in New England. That's got to be one of the only places I've ever seen that like coordinators do press conferences. I don't want those guys talking. They make the Vols something like that. Sounded like Howie when he asked about Gannon. Senor, I almost freaked out when I heard that. Hey, big rhythm. No, I don't think those 10 wins are lucky. Okay, I don't. I think you gutted those 10 wins out. You totally did. But now you're predictable. The league's figured it out. Don't you get this? Those 10 wins, they went like this. This is what it's taken and how long it's taken. Hey, um, Tone, what was the first game that um, Nick Sirianni, what was the first game? What was the date of the first game that they played? How about we just do this? September 21. It's taken them, the league, from September of 21 until this the first week of December to figure it out. And now the league knows who you are. They know where you're going to line up. They know you play zone. They know you're not going to play press. They know you're not going to be creative on offense. You're going to stay within your system. You're going to stay within your analytics. And you're not really going to deviate. And if you get any kind of injuries, guess what? You're going to look like you did against Dallas and San Francisco. That's your identity. That's totally your identity. They figured it out. Remember a couple of years ago when the uh, Steelers started out 11-0? and Remember that? I kept doing this to people in Pittsburgh. That team ain't that good. <laughs> that team's not that good. They're going to figure you out. And they did. They, they were like, it was like a dog shit record. Dude, the league's got you. You have not evolved. Hey, get this. Jalen Hurts can only grow so – that's probably an even better one here. Jalen Hurts can only grow so much without proper help around him. And I'm talking about guidance. Dude, I was 150% John McMullen was right. He was dead on right. Shane Steichen is a tremendous play caller. I thought it was more Hurts. Now, maybe it was because Jalen doesn't have the chance to run the same offense he ran a year ago. So maybe, again, you know, I don't, I shouldn't go way over the top with Steichen because an element is missing this year. But Shane built that offense around him. Okay. He, he did. And what you're doing, again, you're slowing his growth like you did with Wentz. Dude, there's no coincidence. After Frank and that staff left, and, and, and hey, you could say whatever you want about Frank. I think Frank's got a winning record in Indianapolis as a head coach. He won some ball games the first couple of years that he went to the playoffs. I mean – he may ha- he may be a little bit under an in indie, okay? 
he may be a little bit under Indy because when he first got there, I think they won 10 games or something like that. And then they won like 11 or something. I, like, so I, I, I want to say that. I, don't, I, I may be wrong. Anthony goes like this. Dan's talking like we have no hope at all. Yeah, you do. Jalen Hurts is your only hope. He's the best thing you have in your locker room right now. He's the best thing you have in your locker room. You're not going to get leadership out of A.J. Brown. You think you're going to get leadership out of T.O. Brown? You're not getting leadership out of him. And by the way, I'm not sure he gives a shit whether they're winning or not. He just cares that he's not getting the touches so that he could be all pro. That's one of them guys. That's when that shit starts to matter a little. When he start to get killed and you see, I, I, I like the fact that he's kept his face shut. Okay. And if you want to bark when you're winning, I'm all right. And if you keep your mouth shut when you're losing, I'm all right with your personality. Okay. I am. Okay. I am. I don't want to hear T.O. Brown after the Seattle game, though. I love Devontae Smith, but Devontae Smith's got a lot of hurts in him. Step up and say something. Hey, maybe Devontae Smith should say something. Throw me the ball more. Can you see me? Throw me the ball more. Hurts is not enough of a leader. And times... Hey, you know what I love about this moment here? It's a seminal moment for Nick. Nick's either going to be on the hot seat next year or he's going to have a long, successful career in Philly. This is a seminal moment for him. And you guys keep throwing his record out. They'll fire his ass in a minute. You know why? How he likes to have scapegoats. That's why you hire inexperienced people. You're not, you're not firing Sean Payton like that. <laughs> I mean, Mickey Loomis is not walking down on the sidelines and firing Sean Payton when he was in New Orleans. This has nothing to do with Hurts. This is everything to do with what they're doing upstairs and in the coaching room, or not doing. You change out all those faces, and you expected to have the same I It's remarkable. Kudos to Hertz. Dude, you're not going to divide that locker room. Losing the locker room, that's not what that place is. Okay? The problem that you had... Years ago, when Doug was there, you had people who wanted Wentz or Foles. And again, that's a tough call. And that, quite frankly, is because of production. Nick has never been good anywhere but Philly. And I say this to you. I think Nick Foles, he got coached in Chicago by Doug Marone in Jacksonville. And then he went back to Indianapolis. And quite frankly, he's a beaten man. Where are you getting good coaching? In Chicago. What quarterback in the last century has played well in Chicago? What quarterback before Trevor Lawrence was playing great in Jacksonville? Sometimes Blake Bortles? 
Mark Brunel back in the 90s? Where, 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 where are you getting that from? He went, he, he chased the bag of money, which is cool. Okay. Just, just saying, man. You know, Blake Bortles threw for 480 one time. All right. I want to talk a little bit about Seattle. Also, I want to take a look at the playoff race. I didn't do the MVP. And I want to I want to show you, quite frankly, what the media thinks of your guy right now when it comes to the top quarterbacks in the National Football League. Don't forget, by the way, we really appreciate you guys being part of our giveaway with our friends at Hooters. All you have to do is send us your information. Tone's throwing a code word around. You put that code word on an email. Send your send us your information to dancellioshow at gmail.com. And you can hear your name called on a football Monday. Um, and we're giving away tickets, merchandise, all kinds of great stuff like we did when we were at our remote in King of Prussia this past Saturday. So we appreciate everyone coming by. By the way, don't forget too, Hooters during the month of December, obviously Christmas time. The Santa Bucks are back. Gotta love them. These are great stocking stuffers. Five bucks, put them in uh, the stockings. Don't forget too, the Hooter calendars are out. Hundred bucks in gift cards are also inside the calendar. Nine of the girls from the uh, Northeast region of Hooters, is, they are profiled in the calendars from Rhode Island to Jersey, down to King of Prussia. Hooters.com. You can also go to the app, get the food, bring it home. Uh, what is today here? Today's Wednesday. Wing Wednesdays, 1983. I love Wing Wednesdays. This is the year the place was founded. Do me a favor. Always remember, kids eat for free on Saturdays. That's northeasttutors.com. Northeasttutors.com. When you roll in, do me a favor. Tell them Big Sale sent you. Eat chicken wings by Hooters Things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours, too, with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. 
We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. My friend Tone will join us at the bottom of the hour for the segment. We appreciate that too. I, you know, I've had back and forths with Tom Curran from Boston numerous times. I can't stand the guy. He and I do not like one another. I think the guy's a bullshit artist. And um, I have no respect for him. And for him to go out and say that Belichick, the decision has been made in week 10, it's a lie. You have to understand something about the Patriots. They are as secretive as any organized crime family in history. It's not true. Now, Belichick may request, he just signed a contract extension for three years. The, who would he tell that to? You have to understand something about the crafts. They don't talk to media people like that. They don't have moles. That thing is buttoned up like you wouldn't believe. The head coach is telling people we're on to Kansas City. We're on to Kansas City. Nobody says anything. Bob Kraft is not talking to anybody at the owners' meetings. It's by design. Doesn't want anybody coming up with narratives that aren't true. They made that up, hoping it lands. And if there's going to be a variation, you know what will happen? The idiotic people in my industry will cover for Tom Curran, say, see, I told you, it could be a trade. It could be Bill's decision. They're going to put it in Bill's hands first. Bill, what do you want to do? I believe that. But those are going to be all private conversations. Okay? Anonymous source. You know, I hate people who put anonymous source out there when they're pretending to be reporters. I'm not a reporter. I'm not a journalist. 
That's why when I say I talk to my friend, okay, I I, I don't I my my I'm not coming from as a reporter or a journalist. I'm not at all, nor do I want to be. Okay. And when you can't put your name on something and you say some shit like that, come on, dog. Didn't you have enough of that the last six years in the White House? I mean, haven't you had enough of that? Anonymous sources? Why doesn't anybody have any balls to put their name on something? So you're trying to tell me that you don't think Bob Kraft has enough balls to put his name on something. Or Belichick. Man, Jesus, criminy. People believe anything. Somebody says something or puts it on the internet, you swear to God it's true. It's absolutely pathetic. Unbelievably pathetic. You'll believe anything. Anything. Because you know why? It's a way to... See, what's happened with Belichick, he stayed too long. Here's what's happened. If he stayed too long, you're going to be vilified in the end. You're just going to be. They're going to rip apart your resume. They're going to tell you it was all Brady. They're going to tell you you're never the coach you were. They're going to do all the shit, the, the so-called cheating and all that. They're going to try to rip you to pieces because you stayed too long. Bill should have won a Super Bowl and bowed out. He had nothing else to prove. He's there too long. He should have just left. Okay? Dan, he's getting fired. They have three wins. Oh, you must have forgot those six Super Bowls he brought them. In the most historic run in the history of the National Football League in 110 years. Oh, I see. So the three wins versus the six Super Bowls and nine appearances in the game itself you equate three wins. How absolutely ridiculous. See, you have to remember something. ESPN and Wickersham had a story in a book years and years ago that Belichick would be the worst hire in the history of the NFL. ESPN had to eat crow, and they look like shit. So now they have a chance to pile in and pile on. And they are. That's what they do. Again, a guy who brought you more success than any franchise in pro football history in one coaching era. And that's what you say? Well, fire him because he's got three wins. Well, then what makes your guy so important, Nick Sirianni? If you look at, get this, if you look at Belichick like that, who has a resume that is unparalleled, and then you look at your guy and you think your guy's safe? Do you really think he's really the, Nick Sirianni? Some of you probably think he's a better coach than Belichick. Even though he's coached the two greatest players in the history of the sport at their respected sides of the football. Sirianni has a winning record. Sirianni's a puppet. Sirianni's a glorified quality control coach. That's who he is. And that's all he'll ever be. Give me that stuff. <laughs> it's 
funny. Belichick doesn't know quarterbacks. So he drafted a guy, Jacoby Brissett, who went on to start. He drafted Matt Castle, who never started at USC, went on to win a division title in Kansas City as a starter, won 11 games in uh, New England. Um, then he drafted Brady. He drafted Garoppolo, went to a Super Bowl. And he drafted Mac Jones, who was a starter. He's drafted five quarterbacks that were starters in this league. And only one was a first rounder and one's the goat. How many quarterbacks have you drafted in your organization that have any of those qualities? Name me one coach that has hired that amount of quality quarterbacks or drafted five quarterbacks under one coach that had that much quality. Name me one, not even Andy. So when you make those idiotic comments about Belichick and the media right now, again, they're having a feeding frenzy. End of the day, people know what's up. Guy drafted the goat. Oh, he fell into him. Okay. Jalen Hurts fell into the Eagles in the second round. Okay. Montana fell into... um. Bill Walsh's lap in San Francisco. Okay. Johnny Unitas fell into the Colts' lap in the 19th round. Okay. You win. Let me move on to this before we get my friend Tone in here. So I've been following this story and the guy over on Crossing Broad gave me a ton of shit telling me that I'm supporting a rapist. Go back and look. You can go through my Twitter page. He he, pretty much criticized me for supporting a rapist is what he called him. I happen to know Matt Ariza because I covered San Diego State for Coach Long. Remember the ones that made up the story are the ones that say Jalen is a bust. Gotcha, Dirty D. And I happen to know the attorneys and that are involved in that case. I talked to the district attorney, too. We happen to know them very well. He was totally exonerated today. And which means he had nothing to do with it. But the media... And some go like this. Why hasn't he gotten a call? After the job the media did on that guy, he was convicted in the court of public opinion. Don't you get it in today's society? Whether you're innocent or not has nothing to do with it. He was convicted in the court of public opinion. Public opinion, social media has convicted that guy. He's guilty. In the eyes of social media and the public, even though he did nothing wrong. Theoretically, the media ruined his career like they ruined the Duke lacrosse team's lives. No apologies, no nothing. Took a guy's dream away from him over lies. You branded him a rapist. 
even the 17 year old is taking his name off. She's going after the other four. You branded that guy a rapist. What team in their right mind is going to put a call in to somebody? And you know what people will say? Well, something has to be true to it because no one called them. That's another narrative. You see what the media does? What they're doing is still feeding into the fact that, well, something maybe has to still be there when nothing's there. And when people say, hey, well, you know, still he's not getting calls, so he's guilty. Scumbags. Remember, innocent until proven. Innocent until proven guilty. What country do you live in, Q? Innocent until proven guilty? Today's America? You're guilty till proven innocent. I kept hollering and I reposted it that Howie Roseman should go get him. And you know why he's important? And I happen to agree with people. I think he'll get a better opportunity because I know The Rock wants him on and the league. And I know that he'll get opportunities. He'll probably in the offseason have more people working him out now and he'll be more open for that. That's a field. That's a guy who changes the field on you. He is an ama- He is one of the greatest punters I've ever seen. And when you have a special teams guy like that, can you imagine you have the best field kicker in Philly and you had the best punter in the league? What that would do for your shitty defense and how that would help you? Think about that. You hired a lesser guy when you could have had the guy that could have changed field position to help your defense. Say you get three and outs. You know what Matt Ariza does? He pops a 55-yarder off on you and sticks him back on the two. You don't think that that guy's important? Ask the Raiders back in the day how important Ray Guy was to the success that they had and why he's in the Hall of Fame when he was kicking 60-yarders and getting teams out of problems. Okay? When you've got – hey, do you think – hey, do you think your field goal kicker is important to your team's success and them? How many games do you think Josh Norman's won for you this year? How many games do you think he won for you? Three? Three? Would it be fair to say? You th- you, do you think your field goal kickers won you three ball games this year? Do you? I do. I'd love to have the kid on my team. Elliot, thank you, my friend. I'm sorry. The coffee kick is almost non-existent in today's NFL. Hey, Dirty D, be great to have a guy. Do you know what he was averaging when he was in Buffalo before those um, fraudulent charges were charged against him? I think it was like 48 yards a kick. And the Bills were raving and the league was raving about the guy. They couldn't believe what they had found. They couldn't believe what they were witnessing. Every time I watched the preseason exhibition game that he was kicking in, 
I couldn't believe how he turned the field around. He turned the field inside out. I was like, they've got a weapon up there. Holy shit. Then those charges came and that thing went away and it was, it hurts them. It hurts them. I hope he gets an opportunity. By the way, I'm not going to bring Tone in on that. So let me do this one. I see that NBC is um, moving off of Al Michaels. And Al Michaels will probably go down, in my opinion, as one of the greatest play-by-play NFL guys of all time. Here are my five NFL um, play-by-play guys in history. Pat Summerall is number one for me. Frank Gifford's number two. Monday Night Football with Gifford, Meredith, and Cosell. Michaels is three. Buck is four. And I'll go Jim Nance five. Those would be my five, but... Gifford's my second favorite. Pat Summerall working with Madden all them years, probably number one. So um, he, I think he's 81 years old or something. I don't really think he has the energy any longer, but it's one of the greatest broadcasting careers of all time. Uh, uh, Roland, John Madden's not a play-by-play guy. He's an analyst. Okay. Um, he did get knocked the heck out. I had to pay. Um Steve, I had a picture over my um, my desk in my bedroom with concrete knocking Gifford out for 16 hours. And I, hey, before I bring Tone on, I asked I asked uh, Bednarik what he said to him, and he went just like this to me. And Betty, excuse me, Tone, you'll like this. This was the 1960 championship game. Bednarik goes like this. This game is fucking over. <laughs> hey, man. That's one of the most iconic pictures. Used to be my screensaver. Then, believe it or not, my screensaver was Lindros getting knocked out on the Flyers logo. <laughs> By Scott Stevens. I, I, do I still have that puck somewhere, man, from Stevens? Yeah, I, I, it was Lindros like this on the uh, on the ice, and I always remember that, man. Let me bring my guy Tone in on that one. Yeah. What's going on, Big Sales? How are we feeling today? And how you doing? Doing well, sir. We said a lot today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I felt like today should have been should be a day where we're starting to uh reach the top of the hill and now we're about to get on the other side of things. You know, we, it's time for us to start looking forward toward the Seahawks. But before we do so, um, I felt like it was important that we really ironed out. Uh, who we should be holding accountable for where the Philadelphia Eagles are and why they are what they are, instead of just um, aiming for, like you said earlier, the low-hanging fruit. I felt like it was important for us to really uh, recalibrate. That's kind of been the theme for me today, recalibrating and kind of reassessing uh, just where where they are, how they're built, um, where Jalen Hurts is, who he's been um, you know, prior to becoming the Philadelphia Eagle, um, who he is now, and kind of just, um, you know, Giving ourselves a reality check of what the exact situation is in Philadelphia. I felt like that. I felt like that was my goal today. I was listening to you earlier, and I heard you talking about position coaches. Right. So then I expanded on it, and I looked up the coaching staff right there for anybody to Google. And I went down the list: Sean Desai, Brian Johnson, DJ Elliott. D.K. McDonald, Alex Tennell, Rennell Williams, 
Marcus Brady, Matt Patricia, Tyler Brown, Taver Johnson, TJ Pagnetti, and Tyler Scudder. The one thing these guys all have in common, they are in first-year roles in their new respected positions. And if you take the three quality control coaches out of the bottom of the deck, they only have 22. They changed 12 of the 22 coaches out, putting in first-year roles on that coaching staff. Yep. After a Super Bowl. The turnover in the coaching staff was more than the turnover on the roster. On the roster. Why wouldn't you expect wobbling on both sides with new personnel, especially on defense, and new coaches in first-year roles? Mm. It's so funny. I'm looking at the respective coaching staffs for the Cardinals and the Colts, right? And, you know... Shane Steichen did it right. You know what Shane Steichen did? Knowing he was a new head coach, you know what he decided to do? He decided to bring in guys that have been there before. He decided to bring in guys and surround himself with experience. Let me just go through his coordinators. Let me let me just let me just go through the coordinators. And you know, and you know what I love about the Colts um coaching um uh staff, not just the staff, but also what I like about their staff website. Next to next to the name and the position of the uh, the coach, they put their years of experience right under it, and I love that. So Chris Greer is a great GM too, man. So he, at, he really is the thing that keeps that thing afloat. There, listen to this. Or, 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 or Chris Ballard, excuse me. Right, right. Listen to this. Um, the Colts, right again. Shane Steichen, first year head coach. Defensive coordinator, Gus Bradley, 34 years Oh, Jesus. 34 years of experience, Gus Bradley, D.C. Part of the Legion of Boom in Seattle. O.C., Jim Bob Cooter, 16 years. cow. Baltimore Ravens. Special teams coordinator, Brian Mason, 14 years. Brought all experienced guys who have had one at the NFL level. Exactly. His off, uh, his offense. There's better coordinators in Indianapolis than there is in Philly. Listen to this. And these are just assistants, right? Wide receivers coach Brian Bratton, 11 years experience. Uh, head strength and conditioning Richard Howell, 30 years. Uh, who? Where else? Where else are we looking here? Uh, they just have experience. How about their D line coach? Uh, defensive line, um, Nate Ollie, 10 years. Who's the old line coach? Uh, their offensive line coach. Give me one moment here. Always start there in the positions because that's the most important position. Okay. Offensive line coach, Tony Sperano Jr., <laughs> 14 years. He's a really talented kid. Uh, running backs coach, DeAndre Smith, 24 years. Defensive backs coach, Ron Millis, 33 years. Excellent, excellent job. Tight ends coach, Tom Manning, 18 years. Excellent. So, so again, my point is, this coaching staff is filled with nothing but experience. Nothing but experience. And they're, and they're transparent and upfront about it. But you know what's so funny, right? The Philadelphia Eagles and the Colts and all the, and all the, all the uh, NFL teams, they use the same – 
website style, you know, to show their coaching directory. It's the same system in terms of, you know, how they show their head coaches, right? You, but you, but again, you can, you can be, you can show as much information as you want, right? You know, you know the difference between the Colts and the Eagles, right on the front page. The Colts hit you right in your face with their experience: thirty-four years, sixteen years, fourteen years there. On the Eagles, you got to click their name, you got to dig for their experience, you got to find it. They're not up front with these guys' experience at all. They're not up front with anything. So, again, you you bring you've been you've been talking about this right, and it's been ignored. But I think it's something that really needs to be delved into. You have a fifty million dollar quarterback that you're investing long term money into, and you decide to surround him with with with, with personnel or, or or rather staff that has almost no experience doing the role that they're in. I'm not rolling with that. Or they're limited at the role, even if they have NFL experience. When you do this, Tone, when you go from being – look at what Jalen has behind him now. So you got a first-year coordinator and you got a first-year quarterback coach Mm -hmm. with a $50 million quarterback and a $20 million wideout. Right, just, and thirty million dollar OT. Exactly. Even even if you stop right there, if you stop right there, that's that's a problem. Even if you stop right there, a first year coordinator and a first year uh, quarterback coach, that's a problem right there. Period. That's by design, though. Let me try to find who the quarterback coach is for these guys here. The quarterback coach in in Indy, Cam Turner, fourteen years of experience. I don't know who he is, but fourteen years sounds like a long time. You should pull up that Seattle Seahawks coaching staff. Blow your mind. Yeah, man, I don't want. I, I, man, <laughs> hey, I don't want my, man, blow my mind. I don't want my heart broken. Let's put it that hey, way. Hey, man, blow your mind. What you have to deal with with uh, with Clinton and guys up there who are that's a hell of a coaching staff. Remember, Sean Desai was plucked off that staff. Yeah, yeah, he he was there. Then he went to uh, what Chicago, and then he came no to Chicago. There. Then he went there. I oh, thought Chicago. I thought, okay, I okay. thought he was there in Seattle last year. Okay, right. I, I think I think you're right, actually, if, if I'm not mistaken. So I think you're right. Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. He was the associate head coach, and uh, def- in, in uh, of the defense in Seattle last Pete year. Pete thinks right. highly of him. Yeah, Pete, yeah. Pete does. Pete thinks highly of him. Here's the thing, right? Sean Desai might very well be a good coach, right? But we'll never know because he's being told to do one thing in Philadelphia, and I think that's why they didn't give the job to to Denard Wilson. Denaro Wilson. So listen, listen to this, right? You were so comfortable. This is how you know the Philadelphia Eagles care care about control. You were so adamant about elevating Brian Johnson, a guy that was in house. You were so adamant about keeping things in house, right? On your offensive side, but on the defensive side, you had a guy in the building that knew your personnel, knew your strengths and weaknesses, and Denaro Wilson knew your DBs inside and out. Your D, all your DBs had career years in 2022, but you don't want to keep that in house. Why? Because Denard Wilson didn't want to do things the way Howie wanted them to get done, but you but you know what he did do? He brought somebody in, he brought somebody else in that would do it. Someone else who probably was more desperate for the role, showing the side. Showing the side wasn't the first choice or the second choice. Third choice. I don't even th- I don't even think he was the third. Could could be <laughs> like, further you know down I mean? the list. Denard Wilson was in because the building look how already. Because it took for them to announce him. Denard Wilson was in the building already. You kept Brian Johnson in house and elevated him. What was the problem with elevating Denard Wilson? Denard Wilson is having Denard Wilson has those Ravens DBs playing out of their minds right now. Because Denard Wilson wanted to run a defense that was maybe con- um was conflicting with what they wanted to run. In my opinion, okay, he probably wanted to change some things up 
And in the interview process, that was going to be a red flag. Remember, in the interview process with Shane and with Nick, Frank, Frank prepped them. Don't don't go against what they want to do. They believe, Tone, they believe in a system, and I'm going to prove it to you right here. Okay. Since 2021, has Jalen Hurts gotten better? Since 2021, yes. Has the offense evolved? No. Okay. How can your – so your quarterback is only going to walk backwards and regress because predictability is going to eventually catch up with that. You know why Jalen Hurts looks the way he does? Tone, the league knows what he's doing. They haven't evolved that offense enough. You know, Brady said it. I'm constantly learning how to read defenses because defenses are changing every year on me. They are constantly evolving their defenses and their game plan on how they game plan me. Why would the Eagles' arrogance and their mindset be, we're going to run the same offense we ran in 21 today, and let's do this. Because we're paying him, let's take the RPO out. You're going to run 53 less RPOs than you did a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're um How are you getting better? I don't know. That's a good you know, question. No, no, no. Here, follow me. This is why I said the only person that can make this thing happen is Jalen. He I is agree. the best player in that locker room. And and dude, I hate to say this to people, and I know they're not going to agree, but okay. I think they destroyed Carson Wentz this way. And what happened with Wentz was he wasn't mentally tough enough to overcome it. And I think Hertz has the metal to overcome it, but I think he needs a set of cannolis. I don't want to run that. Like Mahomes says, dude, you have $50 million worth of equity in that building. You may not have the total pelts on the wall yet, but you got the salary. You got the bag of money. It's in the bank. You should, you need to use that more. Instead of walking off the sidelines and shaking your head, you need to start doing this. We That's not what we're doing. You need more audible power. You need to do more in the RPO. Hey, like we said, you and me, Tone, if I get six years out of Jalen Hurts and two Super Bowls and he gets I'm hurt good. in year eight, I'm, I'm good. good with that. I'm totally good with that. Listen. And he'll Hurts, leave a legend. Jalen Hurts give me 10 years. He give me two Super Bowls. I'm straight. No doubt. I'm, I'm good. You know what I mean? Because he, because at the end of the day, he delivered two times over. You feel me? So, and Super Bowls are hard to win. So if, if Jalen Hurts, especially a guy who wasn't, supposed to even be here he gives me 10 years of of a plus football and two super bowls i don't give a damn what anybody say that was a success he got the money in the bank so again i i i, I agree i think i think jalen hurts does need to put his foot down and when it comes to the direction of this offense i mean i just need more out of him yeah and he's going to be the only one that can turn it around you know i i, I, I look at this team right now and you know, I, I, see, I see a team that's still trying to figure out, and it's unfortunate we're in week fifteen, and this is even a conversation. I just feel like this—I feel like this coaching staff has shot their load, and I'm—I have a hard time believing that Nick Sirianni can put this thing together again. They haven't adjusted to the league adjusting to them. Exactly. I've been—I said it. I said it on Sports Tech earlier. Here's the thing with Jalen Hurts, right? We were spoiled by his jump. 
and from from 2021 to 2022 his jump was so astronomical it was, it was. so un, it was so unprecedented we assumed that kind of jump would happen again but even taking it a step further i believe that people because of that jump he made i feel like people forgot how far he came and people forgot that when he came into the league he had deficiencies he had things he needed to work on right but because the league hadn't quite figured him out yet and he came out like gangbusters in 2022 we kind of assumed that that trend will maintain when the eagles are the eagles are rushing his development exactly exactly and i feel like because of that fans have a misconception of where he actually is in his development because of what happened in 2022 he remembered they, they didn't have that much film on him so therefore he was able to come out and he did grow a lot he grew a lot ton but but, but jalen hurts still has room to improve and i was talking to john mcmullen about this last night on football 24 7. uh we do the show about three times out of the week and um you know i brought this up i i i, I feel like you know because again i brought it up on sports take as well i feel like we need to really sit back and really look at it for what it is and not for what we want it to be. The fact of the matter is Jalen Hurts has came a long way as an NFL quarterback, and he's positioned himself to be in the conversations with guys like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Dak Prescott. Not with the environment around You know, him. he's put himself in that position, right? Not with the but, environment but, around but, him. But, but, now, but now he has – now it seems like he's – a lone man on the mountain trying to trying to carry a team to the promised land when in reality his coaches aren't living up to their end of the bargain and the organization isn't yeah 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 we could yeah we could take it as far as that as well you know they've done their job as far as putting talent around them on offense i i, I will give them that yes if they, they put the talent around them and on offense, the money they gave them the money no, the whole, the whole now, money. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They spent, they spent, they spent the money to make sure the talent is around them, and they even did right by the structure of the contract. But they have not done right in the grand scheme of things when you think about it from a coaching perspective, right? And, and a philosophical one, and I'm going to prove it to you yes. here. I, I'm listening, yes. Tone. So yeah, so 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 for me, Jalen Hurts is is quite literally what we're watching right now. We're, we're watching the maturation of Jalen Hurts right now as a quarterback because he's struggling on first and second down throwing the ball. He's, from, from a statistical perspective, he's one of the worst quarterbacks throwing the ball on first down. So that tells me, A, they're either putting him in a position to not succeed. B, he's just flat out not seeing the field. C, teams, are, teams, are, teams are catching up to him. All of it. All of it, right? It's all those things. So... I think the coaches need to do a better job of creating an environment, creating a situation where you can put all your playmakers in They're better incapable. situations to win. Think They're about incapable. the Think he about the Niners. The one. He has to do it. They can't. I do not believe that that coaching staff is going to have an epiphany one night and put him into game-winning situations. I don't believe that. I have no faith in that defense and that coaching staff to do that for those players, the players, the, you know, the predictability part, I believe D gun. I believe that to be completely true. I believe D but it's well. an organizational predictability. Yeah. It's not just offense. It's everything they do. And here, here is the number one example of it. So Tone, I'm listening today to Sean Desai talking. 
And it might have been McMullen or somebody that asked the question. It goes like this. He goes, you know, what what was what were Dallas doing that, you know, kind of made you guys seem a little bit confused out there? And Desai admitted for the first time, I I I almost fell off my chair. Senor was listening too, and he goes, Yeah, McCarthy went off script and he he went off script and he went off tendency and they were running different formations and you know they just were starting to do things out there that we hadn't this, seen and I went this is the went, nf freaking l i was this like is this the nfl tone i went like this so you weren't prepared for a, a quality coordinator like mccarthy you thought he was going to run the same thing because you run the same thing in 2021 you thought he was going to run the you know, same routes in the first game that you played in the second game? You thought he was going to do the same game plan? If you think that, you have no idea how to coach in this league. You know what I take that as? You know what I take that as? I take that as an inability to self-scout. Because if you notice on that first drive, on that first drive, the Cowboys, their main goal was to run on that drive. They ran on that Pollard. drive. They got Pollard. they got down the field because they ran the ball. They, yeah, he, yeah, you know, uh, Dak has some key third down passes or whatever. But for the most part, they ran the ball down that field on the first drive. And the moment I saw how that thing was going, I said, oh, okay, we're losing this game. Because they are not stopping the run at this point in the game. It's not going to get better. So, again, when you hear something like that, Oh, they change, you know, they change tendencies. Oh, where's your freaking instinct? Where's your gut? Where's your intuition? Look at his tone. He asked, why did you put two eye safety on fourth and fourth and two down when Dallas had a run play? The side pretty much said Dallas usually throws the ball on that down and distance. McCarthy changed the play up. He changed the tendency up. He went off script. You weren't prepared for that. Right. That ain't the only play in that game, dude. Right. That ain't the only – yeah, that's, that's just a microcosm of what happened. Because how many – hey, what was the one thing you kept saying? Um, I, I remember on Monday, you go like this. Man, how many times did you look over and you saw Sirianni shaking his head going, what the fuck are they doing? He looked like – he looked like he didn't know what he was looking at. Like, listen, I, I said this earlier on Sports Take. I know – I I may not know what's going on behind the scenes, also, another thing, right? We, me, me and John spoke about this last night. You know, John says, you know, when fans criticize play calling, what they're really doing is criticizing play results. Because at the end of the day, we don't know what they're trying to do. But when we see the result, we try to look at it in hindsight. And I thought about that. And I'm like, okay, that's a fair statement, right? So I said, fair enough, right? I'll, 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 I'll give you that. But what I do see, what I do notice, I notice body language. I know how players... I pay I pay attention to how guys are looking in their eyes and their faces. I know I, I I know the look of a man who has no idea what the hell he's doing. I know the look of a dude who is completely not bought into what he's what he's being told to do. I I know what that looks like. I know what it looks like when a leader has no idea how to lead his men out of the foxhole. You know what's so funny? I said I said on Sports Take. Nick Sirianni has a large responsibility this you know this this Monday. His as of right now, his soldiers 
Nick Sirianni is the general. As of right now, his soldiers and him, they're surrounded right now. They're surrounded. That's my that's my and, general. And, the, and and they and, and, and as of right now, he has to prove to his men that he can lead them out of this situation. Nick Sirianni's my general. And right now, <laughs> I'm struggling to know if they're gonna survive. Damn, dude. Because they are, as of right now, they I'm are like surrounded. I'm the first dude storming the beaches of Normandy now. I'm, I'm going to take a bullet in the head here. <laughs> they're sur- Listen, they're surrounded, Sills. They're surrounded in, 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 in enemy territory. Let me read this. Nick Sirianni on changing who's calling the plays for the Eagles. I do not think that's the issue. I think Brian Johnson is doing a great job. <laughs> I need to be able to manage the game the way I see fit. What kind of what is, fucking answer is that? Listen, here's my thing right to that, right? You know, to, you know, to his point. Help help I, me decipher that there. I mean, because well, I listen, think I, I need a UN I'm, translator. Well, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna process it because me and Rob talked about this. One, bringing in firing somebody in week 15 is not gonna help you. No, that's not. That's not gonna help you. So that's one, right? Bringing in a new voice when you've already got a problem with the voices in the room already, I don't think that's going to help you. Sign of panic. Cha- exactly. Changing to changing play caller, changing play caller duties from Brian Johnson to Nick Sirianni, that's not going to help you because we saw what panic. that we saw what that looked like. Yep. So, so to that point, changing anything from that regard in terms of who's going to call the plays will not help this team. So. I don't so so again, like I agree with you. It's a sign of panic. It's a knee-jerk reaction. At the end of the day, it's week 15. You got to live with this. You need to shorten the playbook up. Yes. To they, what they, they do best. Listen, you know, Colin Carhurd, he's a national guy, but you know, I I I, I like his opinion 70% of the time. He says he he's been saying this all year. He says, Look, the Philadelphia Eagles, this is what they do. They get keeping the and then finally they fall back to who they are. So I think that's such an important take because it's actually factual. They try so hard to be something they're not in the first yep. half. Yep. And then in the second half, you know what they do? They say, "Uh, well, okay." Yeah, but they're I not am. doing that this year for, but for not, some but, reason, Tone. Yeah, they're not, they're, not, they're doing not running the ball this year. Not doing it. So, uh, you know, the only person that can really turn this around is Jalen Hurts. Yes, Jalen Hurts has to be. He has to be phenomenal. That's right. He has to be phenomenal. Because he has to overcome shitty coaching. And shitty defense. And shitty defense. Absolutely. Because the, because the talent is around him. Here, so here. thank God he oh, has absolutely. talent. Thank They're God just not he has talent. The, they're not utilizing the pieces on the chessboard. Agreed. Okay? And, and get this. So when I hear people go, well, they need to do more. They need to be more creative. I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? When you're going to try to do – now what you want to do is come up with something else the kid's not proficient in. I'm going to go back to what the guy's proficient at. He is the best RPO quarterback in NFL history mm-hmm. that I've ever seen. I've never seen a guy as accurate. The RPO quickness and decision-making, that includes the guy in Baltimore. Yeah, look, I'm look, telling you, I've this never office, seen a guy. So what you did, though, was you neutered him, and you're like, okay, well, let's throw the ball more. And the reason he's holding the ball more because he's questioning what he's, he's seeing. He's struggling at seeing what you want him to do. Because and then the defense. he can't go to yes. – And then when he takes off, it's kind of a half-ass RPO. 
Yeah, and defenses are also throwing different looks at him, right? So again, this goes into Jalen Hurts' development as a quarterback, right? Not just not just physically, but also mentally. Tone, how as many well. times did AJ Brown say this year they threw different shit at us? He this said year. it like he he said it at least three times within the first five weeks. He said it at least two to three times within the first five weeks. He said it. He said it in the. Uh, he said it in the Patriots game, and I think he said it in the Vikings game, if I'm not mistaken. But the bottom line is. Jalen Hurts, look, no one's saying Jalen Hurts can't get the job done. I want to make that very clear as well. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is... They can't get the Jaylen, job done with those parameters. Exactly. What we're saying is, I think they need to go back to what they do well. And again, John McMullen even said it. Said it. You know, Davis and Garrow said it. Those guys have been covering this team for a long time. They have not evolved. The offense has not evolved, right? Instead, what they've done, they've tried to do something different this year. Instead of the RPOs, okay, let's hit them with something else. No, evolve that. Add more layers to that. Add more wrinkles to that, right? You know that that's because at the end of the day, that's who Jalen Hurts is right now. He's gonna he's gonna develop naturally into the guy you want him to be because the athleticism is gonna start to fail. Let that happen. Let that be a steady progression instead of trying to force feed this seven step drop offense to him. It's 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 it's, it's counter it's counterproductive to me. Like. He got he got where he got because he was maximizing the RPO and keeping defenses on their toes. Now that he got the money, now you want to turn him into. See, this is kind of what happened with Donovan McNabb, but the only difference is Donovan McNabb decided to start running on his own. Here's the thing, Tone. When you met, and we brought that up too, every single quarterback that they have had under the Jeffrey Lurie regime. They have never developed to the best of their abilities because they've Agreed. always gotten their own way with their front office analytics. And probably McNabb got the closest because Reed had a lot of autonomy in the building. Yeah, McNabb got his own way. With I think, yeah, I think McNabb got in his own way. Probably, also, yeah, McNabb uh, got uh, in his own way more right. so. But and the also, rest of them, and also they didn't the surround control the factor came in, to me, in my opinion, man, I mean, they, they – I mean – they want you. It's no coincidence you won a Super Bowl with a backup. Yeah, yeah. You know what they? You know, and not a frontline right? guy. Yeah, and you know what's so funny, right? They weren't running RPOs with Carson Wentz. What happened was when Nick Foles got there, they were like, "Okay, we can't run the same offense." So it took it took them a week, and it, it took them maybe actually no, a lot. It took them until second half of the Atlanta Falcons game in the divisional round. That was when Doug Peterson and those guys started running the RPOs. Not, not when he first came, because at first he was running a similar offense. And then the, for the final couple weeks, Foles started struggling. And they said, okay, we can't go into the playoffs playing like this. So the first half of the game, you know, they, you know, they got by. And then it was a close game. And they realized, okay, we, we, we got to flip the script. So they dug into the RPO system. And, that's the, and that was Philadelphia's first introduction to the RPOs by Doug Peterson and Frank Reich and John DeFilippo and those guys, right? That was our first introduction. And that second half, Nick Foles was immaculate. He so wasn't you, even running the ball. You guys have had the same offense since 17? You can make an argument for that, yeah. You can make an argument for that. <laughs> the only no difference wonder, is... Dude, no wonder they... Oh, my... Dude. The only difference is... Obviously, Foles can't run. So, so, yeah, yeah. Obviously, Foles can't run. So, you use the RPO differently. You would either give it to the running back or you would pass it. So, at that point, they kind of fell in love with that. But, but obviously, they got away from that when Carson Wentz came back. So, at that point, you know, it's all about what Carson Wentz wants to do. 
But then when they got, and then remember, they weren't really trying to go back to the RPO again. They weren't trying to go back. Remember, they they were trying to, they were actually resisting against it. If you think about it, well, they no, were not. They were directed to try to get away from. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the Fileo Fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Because those Monday meetings, remember what they wanted? They wanted passing. They always... Right. How do you bitch at Doug Peterson for winning a game 17-14 and you're giving him shit about it and you're you're questioning his... I guarantee he probably had a meeting after he won the Super Bowl. I wouldn't even be surprised, man. Dr- drunk as hell in those meetings. What are you talking about, Holly? <laughs> hey. So, so again, right? You know, they they got away from the RPO when Carson Wentz came back. Then he went down again. Nick Foles comes in. They get back to it. They um they make it to the divisional round. But then obviously Foles go uh, Foles leaves, goes to the Jags for the big money. Carson Wentz comes back. They go back to doing their original offense, and then um they bring in Nick they bring in uh, Nick Sirianni two and five record. Remember, they weren't doing RPOs at that time. Shane Steichen says, now listen, I know how to use this kid. Watch this. Shane Steichen comes in, and all of a sudden, they go on, what, like a 7-3 and three run? Shane so, Steichen saved Nick Sirianni's job. And Shane Steichen showed us who Jalen Hurts was meant to be. And then, get this, Shane leaves. They showed you who they want him to be. Exactly. It's just that simple. Dude, but no one money, wants to, but no one wants to have those conversations. Don't get this. You know what's really... A really awful take here. The money didn't change Hurts. The money changed the Eagles. That's a bar sales. No one wants to have those conversations. It makes people uncomfortable. Don't do it. it makes people uncomfortable. See, I care about this team a lot, so I'm a I'm gonna talk about them like they're my cousin. You feel me? I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm gonna talk about you like you're my brother. I love this team that much. So listen, I give my brother hell when when I see him doing some dumb shit. So I'm gonna so yeah, so, so when it comes to the Eagles with me. So, so when it comes so when it comes to the Eagles, I'm doing the same thing. I don't love this team any less than anybody else in this live chat. You know what I'm saying? We all love this team equally, but I'm gonna hold them accountable differently than you. Here's something to think about too, what you what you're talking about right there. You're looking beyond the ten and three. Yes, I am. Okay, ten and three. Ten at. and three gets you to the ten and three gets you to the dance. Ten and three doesn't get you the prom king crown, or doesn't get you the prom queen. Ten and three for you is okay. Good work so far. That's all it is. No, 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 no. It's expected. Yes, yes, yes. It's expected. Why? See, people in here want to be rewarded for ten and three for doing the obvious. It's like thanking somebody for not robbing a bank. That's why I was so glad when you were at when you were at KOP's Hooters. That, by the way, you did a hell of a job. I Thank watched you very that. Much. I watched that whole thing from beginning hey. to end, and you Thank were spectacular. You. Thank In my you. opinion, that's your element, dude. That's your <laughs> element. You need to be around the people. That's your we had, element. We had a good time. We had a good time, so, man. So, it was really great. So you said something, right? And this, and we brought we brought this up months ago. What's what's the million dollar question you always ask me when it comes to ownership? Is it? More important for them. No, no, no. Yeah. I'll take it a step further, right? About Jeffrey Lurie. He's been or he's on the team for 30 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. What um do you think he's over or underachieved? 
and this is the 30th year of him owning the Eagles, do you think he's over or underachieved as an owner? And this is why I say underachieved, because I don't settle for mediocrity, Sills. I don't. I wasn't raised to. My wife, my wife looks at me and tells me, "Listen, man, you got to stop some of the roses because I don't know how to stop grinding." So you're not a happy guy, dude. <laughs> listen, I'm in therapy for this, Sills. I'm in therapy to, to got, so, like, trust me. It does. I'm, I'm learning better. I'm learning to be a healthy human being it because be I, you know, you want to know telling biggest, yourself that tone. Listen, tone. you want to know my biggest fear in life? It will not get better. You want to know my biggest fear in life? And, I, and and this is me being vulnerable with the live chat. Take take it for what you will, Eagles fans. This is my this is my biggest fear in life. My biggest fear in life is that I'm never going to be satisfied with the accomplishments I've made in my life. My biggest fear in life is I'm never going to be satisfied. That's a fear of mine because I work hard and my wife works hard, and I want you know I have a lot of goals and aspirations. My biggest fear is that no matter what I accomplish, it'll never be good enough for me. Grasshopper. I'm here to help you, man. And I I will. <laughs> hey, it ain't going to get better, dude. The more That's my biggest fear in life. Here's why. The more success you get, success is a drug. And once you get a lot of that drug of success and you have a lot of it, because you're going to go through a lot, you're going to go through more failure than you are success. But when you get that one glass mm -hmm. and you keep drinking from it, and you're having success. But I'm okay with failure. That's the addicting. thing. I'm okay with failure. But the thing is, though, like. Of course you are, because you know why? The reason you're okay with failure, because you know you're closer to success. Yeah. I'm all about taking steps forward. I don't give a damn. How, I don't care if I trip. Closer. Not, not, not front running. Yeah. Okay. So like, you know, so I, so, so I just, you know, I just have a, I just have a, you know, I just have a, uh, I just have a different perspective, right? about this football team i have a I, you know like here's the thing man you know some people say you're gaslighting us you're trying to rile us up no i'm i'm giving you my opinion and you do with that what you will uh, wait a minute. Like, no no no, no. Like, now, come on now what we're doing here are, do you really see something different it's, i mean yeah, i'm glad you said that do you do you really are you really looking at something different than i am because if i am that makes me know even more so that I have a better perspective than you on something and I have more clarity in what I'm seeing than you do. Because most people, or I would say 20% of the people that watch our show, you don't have the proper clarity on what you're watching. You have no idea you're allowing emotions and you're allowing your passion to cloud your judgment on what you're watching because you know, let me say this one last thing, Tone, I'll give it, I'll give it to you. Here. Yep. Let me say this. If I was on the air in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, on the radio at either 97.5 or IP, I'd have been off the air the second week of September because you can't talk like this. You can't this talk why, like this. This is anymore. why I love the internet. This is why I love the internet. I love this new media. Because, you can't talk like this because you, you know why? They, they have guardrails. Yep. And I don't. And so the reason why people call me um, what is it called? Shock jock stuff, which I don't even know what that means. Um, I, I, I think about things to rile people. I, I don't, I just talk about what I see. I mean, I'm not a very good liar. I can't lie. Actually, you know, when I'm lying, cause I'm not good at it. Mm -hmm. Um, so the things that I see, and this is why tone people have always taken 2% of what I say. So they'll make a narrative out of something on what it is. So when you talk like this, people are uncomfortable.
they're completely uncomfortable with this. Oh man, you know, this is the, <laughs> I'm looking at this live chat. They are hilarious. <laughs> oh man. You know what's so <laughs> funny? You know what's so funny? Uh, where is it? Uh, shout out to LJ, man. LJ always comes into the live chat, man. He does great work, man. We, we well, I'll tell you what. We if I had a job for him, I'd hire him as a typist <laughs> because I've never seen a guy that could type more as quick oh, as he man. can, as loud as long as he can, and he does it for four hours. Listen, so if I, I had to put I love my LJ. um, if if I had to put I my memoirs LJ. together, he's going to be the guy that's going to type my memoir out because that dude knows how to type. I, I mean, I, he must post at least six six hundred messages. In a four-hour span, dude, you're, you're you're gonna put my memoirs together. I love LJ. Listen to this, man. So he says two losses is a rut. Four losses is a trend. Here's my thing, right? This is the, huh. he, 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 listen. He this goes back to your point. Off. No, listen. But here's here's the thing, right? He's looking at the win-loss column. Of course. He instead is. of looking at the product on the field. Of course he is. This is if, if you know. So funny. I was one of the people that kept saying, "Well, listen." The way they keep winning, man, they're showing they're resilient, right? I'm rolling with that, right? It's you know, it's sustainable. But then, when you, if you if you really take if you really take a step back and really look at how this thing has been going, they've actually been trending this way. Of course, I, I Tone, they've been trending this way. Tone, you have fought me all year until the Niner game. When I when I come out and your guy me and I fought you all year. People wait, people when me and documented. When me and Angelo were saying, I don't trust this team, we were doing that at 4 0, 5 0. You weren't buying it. Nobody was buying I it. I wasn't buying it. I'm listening. But, but hey, but wait for, a minute. For Get disclosure. They can all see it. I was reading the down. cover of the book. You I'm weren't reading it. the book. Listen. Almost, but I'll tell you what I do love about you right now is that what you don't like to be is fooled. embarrassed. I don't like to be embarrassed. Fooled. Yeah, that part. Embarrassed and fooled. I don't do well with those two things. That's my wife. I don't do well with that. I don't do well with being they, embarrassed. They fooled I you. I don't do well with being fooled. So that now I'm angry. It's not who he says he is. So now that I'm guy's angry. not who he's because what you don't like is people not to be who they are. Yes. Especially when you put passion and love into something. Mm -hmm. Hey, let's be candid here, Tone. You don't like or you don't have a passion for the Eagles. You love the Eagles. There's nothing wrong them. with that. Yes. Absolutely not. It's okay to say that. Exactly. So when someone fools you a bit, hey, man. Hey, like with Tiger. I say this all the time. That's why I never fall in love with athletes. Tiger had this, like, this portrait that he used to have for all the media. guys. oh, Tiger's the guts. And that one November night, all of a sudden, that <laughs> golf club went upside that, that, that Escalade. And everyone goes, holy cow, he's a shitty husband? No duh. Ugh. I mean, hey, how many shitty husbands have there been in the world? That thing almost ruined him, and it had nothing to do with his game. But because Tiger had made those guys look like fools, covering him, him. They destroyed him. They destroyed him. That's what's happening with a lot of the media people going, damn, dude, what's going on? Why will they not play press? Because it's what they do. Why won't why'd they take the RPO out? Because they're protecting $50 million. It's follow the money. Mm -hmm. You know, you know, Eagles fans, you know, in the live chat, um, I got a lot of respect for you guys because, you know, I relate to you in a, in, in, in a ton of ways. You know, you're passionate about your birds. Um, you guys eat, sleep and breathe this. 
and you guys do so much on game day. You guys do so much throughout the week, the tailgates. I've been there. I'm, I'm born and raised in Philly, North Philadelphia, baby, 23rd and Dolphin. I know what it's like to be in this city and to see what winning does to a culture. I know what city does to the projects. I know what winning does to a city. I know what winning does to these college campuses. I've seen it. I've felt it. I've witnessed it. So when you spend your hard-earned cash, your hard-earned dough going to these games on gas money, on parking, on concessions, on the jersey, on the Kelly Green, on the seats, when you spend your money on that, on the stadium, on the renovations, when you spend your money on that, and then all of a sudden you see the product they've given us the past two weeks in terms of coaching, effort, so on and so forth, whatever you want to call it, when you see things like that and you know just how great this team can be and the talent they have, come on, man, I take it personal. Hey, wait, wait, I wait, take it wait. personal. All those things that you just said, I'm going to supersede all that shit with you. And I'm going to say this. When I put my love and passion and time into something, ain't about $2, Tone. Ain't about 100 bucks. It's about me having faith in you and civic pride in you. Yes. I take pride in you. And when that pride gets damaged because of incompetence, okay, you have a problem with that because you're vested. When you're vested in something like a marriage, like, and being a fan of some team like the Eagles for you mm -hmm. is your second wife. It's religion. It's, it's religion. religion. It's, it's a religion. religion. It's blind faith. Yes. Yes, you know it's it's crazy, right? I'm I'm I'm. You remember how you asked me when I watch the games? Can I like relax or can I sit still? All those kind of things. It's hard for me to do this because. Do you stand up when you're watching the game? I stand up. I sit down. I stand up. I sit down. You I pace, pace. I walk. I do a lot of different movement. I'm never in the same spot for more than two minutes. So I do like a lot a of linebacker. Movement. I, yeah, Maybe I do a lot of. You. I do a lot. <laughs> I do a lot of line shifts. <laughs> but listen, when they lose, I, I'm a, listen. I, I like to keep it real with the people because I am who I am, and I and I'm comfortable with my skin. When they lose, man, I feel like I lost. I feel like I feel like I was out there and somebody kicked my ass. I feel like I feel embarrassed. I like this guy here, Church of I'm the Birds. I'm embarrassed. When they lose, I feel embarrassed. I feel like, damn, I feel exposed. I feel like somebody caught me oh, with my pants so down. now I know why the last two weeks people have been a little gun shy because Eagle fans feel that the team not only has been exposed, but the fan base feels like they're in it with them and they've been exposed because now all of a sudden – they're realizing what they may be. They don't. I don't think people understand huh. when the when the Eagles see again the fact that they lost. Okay, people lose all the time. It's how they lost. So so let's stay there. Under backs. But when when you when you when you see how they lost, how they lost to who they lost to, it not only affects how you feel about the team, it affects how you feel about yourself. It affects how you feel about the food you eat. Stuff don't taste the same. The sun don't shine as the, the sun don't shine as bright. You don't walk the same. You don't talk the same. You don't watch the games the same. Tone walks Nothing with a limp after losses. <laughs> like, come on, I'm keeping. I'm, listen, I'm, I'm 
all I can be is honest and be myself, man. And I'm cool with that. You know, some people may feel differently. Some people may be able to watch the games. They lose, turn it off. Okay, they go back to real life. And real life does start, of course, obviously. I didn't, I, 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 I'm, I'm happy in my life. Yeah, but Tom, but, this is important. But, but when they lose, get away from real life. Come on, man. Like, hey, you watch. Let me, on, let me end it with this here. Because we got Mark Farzad on, by the way, at 4.30 Eastern. Let me <laughs> let me ask you this. Hold on. Hey, check, I'm sorry. Hey, check is hilarious. <laughs> Who is this? So, He's a tone, you're not on the roster. Relax. We're not we we're not exposed. The 49ers got exposed three games in a row, but blame it on injuries. <laughs> now, now they're the best again. <laughs> That's funny. But here's the thing, right? I'm glad he said that. Here's the thing, right? Here's the thing, A track. Yes, the 49ers, they lost. If you if they're missing one guy, they're not the same team. Totally understand, right? But that's something that's out of their control, which can be explained. Trent Williams goes down. Okay, they're losing. We can explain that, right? We can explain that. That's out of their control. What makes what's going on with the Eagles worse? It's what's the fact that the re, what makes their situation so much worse is what's going wrong with them can be controlled. Yeah. What 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 happens when what happens when things are going wrong? And you can actually prevent it from happening. Look at this guy. He hasn't eaten in two weeks. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, wait, somebody said he hasn't eaten in two weeks. <laughs> and Kelly goes, I haven't eaten in two weeks. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, Eagles fans, I'm with y'all. And I'm rolling with y'all. I'm riding or dying. Best believe that. But I just got to call it how oh. I see it, man. Oh, man. And oh, I man. don't think they're playing up to par. Fun goal. <laughs> <laughs> Holy God, oh, man. man. Yo, listen, I love y'all, man. Y'all are the, listen to this, hey. this live chat. Is hey, funny, even man. you, LJ. Even you, man. Even you LJ, man. You, man. Even LJ. Seriously, though, man, you're going to be my professional typist if I ever put my uh, life story together. I've never seen a maniac more in my life. Well, wait, like this maniac. When I watch the game, I sit and stand, I spit, I curse, I yell. I say out loud, damn you, Sills, you bingo. <laughs> when you when I said you didn't have a shot to beat, then I picked the Cowboys. Wait, wait, you know what? How you feeling about that Hawks game? Um, actually, I actually feel good about it today. Today I feel good about it. Um, I think they're gonna come. I, I think this is a game where uh, Nixon out coached Pete Carroll. Remember what I told you. I said Jalen, <laughs> I, I, I said I, I said Jalen Hurts has to be phenomenal. Okay. So I think this is a game where Jalen Hurts gets back to the basics. I think mm. the I think these past two weeks, Jalen Hurts is like, oh, no, okay, listen, something got to give. Mm. Something got to give. That's what I'm hoping okay. for. That's what I'm hoping for. Well, Nick says everything's okay, so. Hey, 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 listen. I'm not. I don't give a damn what Nick say. <laughs> I care about. I oh, care about what Hurts say. Holy cow! Whatever Hurts says. That, that's the Bible right there. Whatever Boy, I'll said. tell you one thing, man. You are the face of fans in Philly. Whatever Jalen Hurts says, that's the Bible. Three weeks ago, that guy's a good paisan today. Hey, let me tell you something. You lose another one, I'm going to put a switch, <laughs> and I'm going to turn that heater up on you, Junior. You bet your ass I am. Oh my Tell God. Great stuff, listen, man. Listen, listen. Again, all I'm saying is, you know, I, I think they win the game. I do. do. I, I think they, I, I do. I think – keep operative word, think. I think they win the game, you know. But 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 we, we talked about this too. This Monday is going to tell us a lot about Nick Sirianni. Right now, I'm really glad. I'm really glad to get an extra day's rest. Me too. I'll be honest. He right now, Nick Sirianni. He's at a fork in the road in his career. He's at a fork in the road. He this can either a make the moment. He can either make the right move, or he can make the wrong move. 
The choice is his. There's a, there's a scene in The Freshman. There's one boy. And Carmine says there's two boys. <laughs> um, and I respect Eagles fans for not panicking, right? Listen, I got a lot of respect for the fans that are saying, look, it's just two games. I I, I get it. I get I totally It's not just two games. But it's not just two games, though. Your defense has sucked all it, year. It's, it's really not. It's really not just two games. Your, your, your defense is blown all year long. Tone, I got to take a timeout. We got first set of coming Yes, up. we got Farsi coming up, man. Should be excited, man. Thanks, Sills. I appreciate you. Got you, my friend. That is our good friend, Tone, there. Don't forget also, man, we got the month of December during this great time right now. Hooters wants to thank all you guys for coming out to the King of Prussia Hooters to come out and see us, like Tone said. Hooters, um, Bucks, man, are back. You're going to love them. Santa bonus bucks are here. $5 gift certificates. They're stocking stuffers. You can put them in the stocking. Fantastic stuff here. Has to be the absolute perfect gift here. Again, Calendars are out. The Hooters calendars are out. Nine of the girls are featured in the calendars. You can also go to Hooters2Go.com. Today is Wednesday. That's Wing Wednesdays, 1983. All you can eat. Kids eat for free on Saturday. Go to NortheastHooters.com. That's NortheastHooters.com. When you roll into any one of the facilities, do me a favor. Tell them Big Sale sent you. Eat chicken wings by Hooters Things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings by Hooters Things. Christmas is near. Gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN.
G-L-E-S Eagles. Mark Barsett is going to join us from our pregame, postgame, our halftime reports on Sunday. You catch him on our channel, too, each and every single Monday through Friday, too, with his show. And we'll talk to him here in a second here. Let me let me throw something at you here. I got to hand it. You, you know how Tone just said there's a seminal moment here coming up for Nick Sirianni, right? Would you guys not agree? It's a big moment for him. Losing streak, injuries on the team, right? This is a pretty big moment. It's kind of maybe the first time that we've seen adversity since two and five. Okay, would you agree? Probably the first time since two and five for Nick Sirianni. I'm going to make a comparison. And by the way, I hear certain people on our channel and other radio stations crowing how great this guy is. Hey, Mike, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to throw this at you here. And I'm going to compare him to a coach in the league right now. I want you to think about this. Let's go back in time a little bit, a couple months ago with the 49ers. Actually, let's go back to the preseason with the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan. The whole Trey Lance thing completely was a disaster. A complete disaster. Three first-rounders. He was supposed to be the heir apparent. He was supposed to be the guy that was going to go on and do spectacular things. And he turned out to be a dud. He now sits in Dallas. Okay? Then you get into the season. Garoppolo was injured in the NFC title game against the Eagles. You didn't really know. You still didn't really know at the beginning of the year what you got with this guy. And then all of a sudden, you started winning ball games again. You fast forward a couple months, you go through a three-game losing streak. Man, you're losing to the Vikings. You're losing to P.J. Walker. You're losing to backup quarterbacks in the NFL. And you're the 49ers. What happened? Kyle started bailing. He kept everything together. The organization wobbled in that three-game losing streak and the Trey Lance disaster. They came out of that three-game losing streak, all the injuries on it, and now Kyle Shanahan has righted the ship. That's coaching. He guided him through tough waters. He got him through it and has blown out the Cowboys and Eagles. He knows what he has. Kept us calm. Didn't go crazy. 
didn't do things out of character. He righted the ship. The difference is, it's Kyle's ship to right. John Lynch works with him. Kyle Shanahan turned the boat around and made it successful. And now they're going full sails. Is Nick going to do that? Is Nick going to do? Is he going to do what Kyle Shanahan did? Is he going to right the ship? I want you to think about that again before I bring Mark on here. Kyle Shanahan had to right the 49er ship in a three-game losing streak. You're losing to P.J. Walker and the Vikings. They were treading water, injuries. People started losing faith. Brock Purdy turned back into the pumpkin. All of a sudden, he kept going, hey. And remember, this went back into the preseason with the Trey Lance shit. This guy was treading water in many ways. That organization, he lost three ones, your future. They get in that three-game losing streak. People are going like, damn, the Niners don't look like the team that we thought. Now in the resume, they destroyed the two teams that are their number one foes and two foes in the Eagles and Cowboys, and they destroyed both those teams. That's called coaching. This seminal moment with Nick Sirianni is going to tell us if he can right the ship. Okay? I mean, you don't play call, kid. You don't really, you're supposed to be this some sort of like player coach. This is why you are put in this role here. You're either going to do it or you're not. Because the last two weeks, the Niners had an excuse. I'll get Mark here in a second. The Niners had an excuse. You know what that was? They had injuries. What's yours? Let's bring Mark Farset in. By the way, you can watch him um, in our pregame. Halftime, post-game. He does a great job. He's got a show Monday through Friday right here on Jacob Sports. I actually have, you know, he's kind of, he's got a little bit of me in him, and I'll tell you what I mean by that, <laughs> is that he kind of grows on him. See, you don't like me at first, I and I get it. I mean, I get it. I mean, I think that's an Italian broadcaster's <clears throat> thing. Because, you know, I get this. Silly, oh, you know, I couldn't stand your ass at the beginning, but there's something there. I don't know. Why do I keep coming back here? It's, that's yeah. what I do, and I and I enjoy watching you, Mark. I really oh, do. I appreciate it. I think it's it's like if you go over to your Italian friend's house for dinner the first time, you're like, "Whoa, this is this is way too much. Top. This is too much." And then you realize, like, "Oh, wait, this is all out of love and honesty. That's a beautiful thing. That's that's how we warm up the people, my friend." That's exactly correct. You know, whoever hollers the loudest is the one that's the right way. You exactly. know, does it about facts. <laughs> don't, don't ever let the facts get in the way. I yeah, how mean, many decibels you got? How many decibels? I don't care about your facts. How many decibels you bring to the table? Whoever the loudest is wins the argument. All right, Mark, <laughs> let's do this. I'm not going to ask you about the Cowboy game. I'm going to ask you about Thank the last you. eight quarters. Um, oh, your yeah. takeaway in the last eight quarters? Um, the Eagles were blown off the football. Uh, it, uh, it, the worst, like, okay, the obvious worst thing is guys don't look like there's effort. That's the worst thing you could ever see. But I didn't see that in this game. I saw a team that wasn't good enough. 
Like they just flat out not good enough. And a team that was supposed to be an upper echelon team, an elite team in the NFL, looked like they weren't prepared to play the other so-called elite teams. And I didn't think the Cowboys were elite. They're not able to beat a you know, team barely over 500, barely able to beat the team that was one game over 500 in the Seattle Seahawks. And then it looked like they belong in the same field as the Cowboys. That was supposed to be the game where the Eagles prove that they're a lot better than the Cowboys. Not the Cowboys proven they were a lot better than the Eagles. And then the 49ers game, did, did they did they even go to practice that week? Did they even have a game plan? Because you start out hot by being able to get into the red zone on a 12-play drive. You come away with just three points. Then you get hot again. You have another 12-play drive. You have to settle for a field goal. So finally, it looked like they were actually putting something together at the beginning of a game to control it. And then, oh, my God, the next three quarters of that game were terrible. All four quarters against the Cowboys were terrible. And they just looked like a team that wasn't at all prepared for the challenge in front of them. And that is a direct reflection of coaching. And I got in this argument on the postgame show about, you know, how much coaching can you blame here? When I see guys like Josh Sweat or Hassan Reddick or guys like Darius Slay or guys like James Bradbury who are veterans who kind of I, I think are a lot better than what people will give them credit for, Oh, my God. When you see the guys that you usually can rely on making mistakes, that's where I'll say they're being put not in the right position to make a play. And that is 100% on Sean Desai. That's 100% on Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni. It's 100% on the coaching staff of this team. Yes, you're sometimes going to players that aren't good enough, and there's, there's a few of those as well. But when it comes to the coaching, they did not have this team prepared to play these last two football games, the biggest games by far on the schedule. Two points I'm going to go down and expand on on what you're talking about. And um, go with me here as I read these names off. Sean Desai, Brian Johnson, DJ Elliott, DK McDonald, Alex Tanay, Renaud Williams, Marcus Brady, Matt mm-hmm. Patricia, Tyler Brown, Taver Johnson, TJ Pagnetti, and Tyler Scudder. And I took three of the quality control guys off because that's more of a front office thing. So there's 22 coaches that are on Nick Sirianni's staff. Do you know how many of those guys are in first-year roles this year on this football team? 12. Wow. That's a lot more than I would have guessed. 12. They changed, they changed over half the so let me so let's let's take a look at this. To what you're talking about, it's easy to go to the coordinators. Mm-hmm. But what you got here is the entire coaching staff, or excuse me, half the coaching staff, or a little over half the coaching staff, are in first-year roles on this coaching staff. They all, these 12 guys out of 22, think about that, Mark. So Jalen Hurts, you pay him $50 million. You have a first-year coordinator, and you have a first-year quarterback coach with him. So when people say it's not coaching, I don't know, man. I think it is coaching because you have inexperience all up and down the line. And to go even further, to expand on what you're saying, I listened to Sean Desai today. And I heard Sean Desai go like this. You know, somebody, it may have been McMullen. I was talking to Tone about this. It's asked the question, hey, the Cowboys, and I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah, the Cowboys did something different. And they came off script. and The fourth you know, they, and two. They changed it off. And I was like, so you weren't prepared for that? Did you really thought that Mike McCarthy was going to run the same game plan um, in game one versus you in game two, and he wasn't going to change it up a little bit? They were not prepared. That's why when you're watching on the sideline, Mark, you're going, you hear Sirianni going, what was that? What was that? You're seeing all this, and you're like, 
How are you not prepared for that? Yeah. Uh, actually, that was the the thing that was the most mind-blowing thing after the game when I looked at the, the box score, when I looked at the game book. I thought I was looking at the first half stats, not the final game. Three receivers targeted by your quarterback <clears throat> in that game. That's That was the question. Yeah, they went off script. They did something different. We had a lot of one-on-one -on -one coverage on the outside that we thought we were going to be able to win one-on-one -on -one battles with. He said something very similar, if not exactly the same, when he was asked about the fourth and two where he dropped two safeties back when they only needed two yards. So that was Jeff McClain asking the question about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, they, they went off script. They did something that we weren't expecting. On a fourth and two? How many of the situations? I would love to see the numbers on how many fourth and twos the Cowboys have had. And they threw deep to the point where Mark, you needed to drop two safeties. the only time in that game, though, that that would <laughs> it's happen. All, it's all, yeah, exactly. It's it's absolutely insane when you think about the coaching not being prepared for this. Both with Brian Johnson talking about only two guys targeted, and then the other was Sean Desai talking about the same exact thing, not being prepared for the moment. How are you not prepared if you've been here? Now? Brian Johnson was at least here last year. Sean Desai obviously was. He's only a first year. He's only a second year now off a defensive coordinator with the Eagles. Obviously, he was that with the Bears, but. It is just mind-boggling that you go up against this team that you know you have plenty of film on. You've seen them uh, before already in the season. You know what they do, and they catch you that off guard as a defensive coordinator. That doesn't make any sense. That is the definition of not putting your players in the right position to make a play. And I know everyone talks about it as a coach speak and cliche, but it's true. If you don't do that as a play caller, as a coordinator – you are putting your team and a win in peril every single time you do that. Look, I like the idea that he held himself accountable today. He took responsibility for it. Said, said something interesting. He would change every play call in a loss. If he made the wrong play call, they lose the game. He'd change everything. I don't want Wednesday coaches. I want yeah. Sunday coaches. That's ex exactly what I thought. Whoa, whoa, whoa. So that means you're not even fully convinced of your own game plan going into it. Like As great and as novel as it sounds – to say, I would change everything. Oh, good for you that you have a little humble pie. I don't want that. I want a cocky SOB calling plays for me that would stand his ground almost no matter what. So for me, when he came out and said that, I was like, whoa, 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 hold on. What are you doing throughout the week? And he actually gave a pretty detailed description. If you heard him, you saw it, you heard this. He gave a pretty detailed description of what they do throughout the week. You know, when they practice play calls, when they practice those play calls in those situations with their players, when Nick Sirianni kind of says at the beginning of the week, this is how I see the game going, so I want you to do this kind of thing defensively. That's what I think would work best against this. And people don't understand, and I know everyone wants to focus on Brian Johnson as the play caller, the offense, and all that stuff. Nick Sirianni has a much bigger hand in that than we had thought. And Nick Sirianni has a bigger hand in the defensive side of this football as well, he's not calling plays defensively, but he certainly, as many head coaches do, set the parameters for what he wants to see from that defense. And so does, as you have so eloquently pointed out before, Sills, this analytics department, they got a big say in that meeting as oh, to what's going to happen in those games. Oh, you bet. You, Mark, you know, the majority of the coaches that are now coming out of these coaching staffs becoming, becoming head coach, not just an eagle thing are coming out of those quality control departments. And you know who the quality control departments are hired by? The organization and the analytics team. They give them all the cut-ups of the games. They give it to the coaches, third and seven, third and eight. Those guys go – John Gruden came out of quality control. Brandon Staley, the guy in Cleveland, Kevin Stefanski. All these guys came out of that analytics department, which went into quality control, then you move up the chain. And uh, the, the offensive coordinator think, for the Jags. Yeah, the guy with, yes. I can't remember his name. He was here as a, as a quality control guy. Chip Kelly brought in. Huh. Let me, I'm blanking let me, on his name. Sorry. Let yeah. Me, let, I just, let me go here and expand on this one here. 
Um, do you think this offense has – do you think it is developing since 2021? I think they've gotten better players. <laughs> I don't think okay, that they so have wait a minute. Here, necessarily developed. Do you think it's yeah. evolved, the offense since 2021? Has it evolved? It's, now, wait. Don't don't put Hurts or – don't put Hurts or the talent in it. Right. Has this offense – has has it gotten better? Has it evolved? No. No, it hasn't evolved. It's still a lot of the same, not trusting the run game, not trusting supposedly your the best offensive line in football in the run game. It's relied too much on the pass. You haven't seen creativity. Very rarely you have seen like there is there is one play where they ran a fake tush push essentially. I think it was against Minnesota. And you saw Jalen Hurts pop it to the outside. I went, oh, it's other creative. And it worked, and you haven't seen it again. You've seen a jet sweep once and it worked and then you never see it again. You have seen plays like that. The only thing you really see is the bread and butter are continuously the bubble screens or the tight end screens on the outside. You don't see them evolve and get the, the, the running back in the passing game more. Again, you go back to the idea of only three receivers targeted in this game by your quarterback. The four guys were targeted and one was by the punter on the fake punt. So for me, there is a lack of creativity. There's a lack of a balance. There's a lack of trust. And it's a lot of the same mistakes they made a year ago. And here's something I thought was really telling. And this is from Shane Steichen last year, I believe it was. Again, after the Cardinals game, the Eagles ran a bevy of, of bubble screens. Like the RPO, the bubble screen became a crutch for Jalen Hurts. And this was something that Nick Sirianni had talked about. This is something Shane Steichen acknowledged about how when he was looking to check down to a play, the check, the, the check down would often be the bubble screen. It was an easy throw for him to make. He could see his target right there, throw to the outside, don't, don't have to worry about seeing over the offensive line, defensive line, whatever. And that became too much of a crutch for Jalen Hurts. I am seeing way too much of that now. So I'm thinking, is it is that Brian Johnson? Is that Nick Sirianni? Or is that Jalen Hurts saying, hey, make sure that bubble screen is in there as my, you know, my, my check down or whatever the case may be. And it's too much relying on that. There's not enough RPO, which really helps keep the defense off, off balance. In a lot of ways, aside from getting the better players, A.J. Brown being one of them, and watching the maturation process of Devontae Smith, you have seen the talent on this team individually get better. You've seen Jalen Hurts get better. But overall, as far as creativity in the game plan and not being one of the worst words ever, predictable, yeah, it's definitely had a regression. It has not evolved. So you understand, folks, what he's saying. The Eagles are stunting his growth because you're right. Hurts has gotten better. The offense hasn't evolved. You're not helping him. You're, you are regressing him. And he had such a meteoric rise, okay, that all of a sudden you decide to hire a guy, give a guy $50 million, give a guy a $20 million wide receiver toy, draft a guy Devontae in the first round, and then you hire a first-year offensive coordinator, a first-year quarterback coach, and you're trying to tell me with all the analytics that are involved in this that you're going to also now do this. The thing that made him – a weapon last year, you're going to run the RPO 50 times less than what you did because you're on pace now for about 98 RPOs this year. Last year, you ran them 150 times. You're taking, you're telling me those 50 plays that were dynamic last year, third 11s, third eights, breaking people's backs on MRPOs. I've never seen a quarterback in my life, and I say this with conviction. I've never seen an RPO guy that is accurate and 
the decision-making process that he had, he's a better RPO quarterback than he is a progression reader. You want him to do the thing that he's the least able to do. Tom Brady said this, Mark. I learned how to read defenses until my 20th year because defenses were constantly changing every year to try to defend me. I had to learn, always had to watch and get pre-snap reads, understand what they were trying to do. If you're telling me this is almost the same offense from 2021, <laughs> Nick Bose is right. It is predictable. Mm -hmm. They're not evolving. You're stunting the guy's growth. It's a horrifying thing when you think about, and I've I've used Jalen Hurts' name to describe other athletes that I want to see a quote-unquote Hertzian leap from. An example in basketball would be Tyrese Maxey. I want to see that, that you know, Hertzian leap from Tyrese Maxey. That's how great it was. Meteoric, absolutely. Hertzian is the way I like to say it now. To see him not be challenged. Look, they are challenging by saying do something different. If you're not breaking the RPO out against teams, and this was another thing that went into it, a lot of people looked at it, and Brandon Graham was even one of them, saying, hey, maybe they're maybe they're saving my snap count for later in the season. Turns out that's not true. Maybe they're saving the RPO. Seth Joyner had this same type of uh, you know, hypothesis. Maybe they're saving the RPO for later in the season. If you're not seeing that against the 49ers or the Cowboys. <laughs> you're never going to see when, it. What are you, oh, you're going to wait for the playoffs? Oh, that's where no. you're going to do something you haven't done all season. You're going to do that in a playoff. Okay, let's see how that works out. Because if you're trying to lock up the number one seed, if you're trying to lock up that home field advantage, you're breaking it out against San Francisco 49ers. Even if the 49ers weren't really a threat to, to take the number one seed and you're going into that game, to beat that defense, you're going to do everything you can to beat that defense, including the RPO. So that is mind-boggling to me. And then see the same thing against the Cowboys. I, I don't understand it. There are guys, and I'm not putting Nick Foles and Jalen Hurts in the same category here, but you have seen guys like Nick Foles that just have that bread and butter. And the RPO, oddly enough, for a guy that had no R to the P, he absolutely thrived. And when Frank Reich sat down with him, when he took over for Carson Wentz before they won the Super Bowl, he sat down with him and he said, you tell me what you're most comfortable doing and we'll make that the bread and butter. And Nick said, let's get, let's run those RPOs like I was doing with Chip Kelly and let's have some fun. Cut the, cut the field in half for me. I'm reading one guy and I can deliver the football easily on a slant. Jalen Hurts throwing a slant round, and I'm sure you've seen the numbers by now about how successful the Eagles have been on running a slant. With A.J. Brown, time and time again, doing that off the RPO, you're going to torch defenses with that. And the fact that you can see that, I can see it's unbelievable that they're not going back to it. So I, I don't know what goes into it. Yes, obviously analytics have the big say, as we've talked about, but is it something that Jalen Hurts wants to get away from? Because uh, I, I, I wouldn't believe that either. I, that, that wouldn't make any sense to me. But then again, we've seen another quarterback in this city, Donovan McNabb, say he didn't want to be a, a known as a runner. And it's like, well, if it works, do it. But it, how about a winner? Do you want to be known as a winner, like winning a Super Bowl? Because it would help. You know, it's just crazy? it's it's crazy Donovan to me. McNabb regressed himself. Yeah, okay? I yeah. He took when he took the run out of his inability to be able to improvise. I thought the best part of Donovan McNabb, just like when you saw Aaron Rodgers early or you saw Favre, when you improvise. Rodgers is deadly. Same thing with Hurts. When Hurts improvises in open space, dude, you can't defend it. Mm. You just, it's, it, when Steve Young was back in the day running four fives and 70% completion percentage, you can't defend that, Mark. It's mm. like, there's nowhere to go. I want to ask you a fundamental question about a team that you grew up with, you love, you passionately cover. Let me throw this at you here. And I asked, I asked Angelo this the other day, and I'm going to ask you it. 
Do you think it's more important for Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie to have control of the Eagles, or do you think it's more important for them to win the Lombardi? I think it's more important for them to have control. <laughs> I mean, I, that pains you to say, doesn't it? It does because it makes winning a Super Bowl a negative. <laughs> and I, I had a conversation with somebody. That's the 17, right. <laughs> Yeah, I like I I had this conversation with somebody and the, these words came out of their mouth and I my brain melted and poured out my ears and I had to reassemble it somehow. <laughs> uh, they said uh, the, the Eagles winning a Super Bowl was the worst thing that ever could could have happened. And I was like, oh my oh I my god. That. I know. How, I know. How dare you? I get it. Wait yes. your whole life for this moment. And then, and then it turns out to be the worst thing that possibly happened. And like at, at the time, like I knew the point. I knew the point that was trying to be made. It's like everything we have done was right because we won a Super Bowl. And it's like, how about the other times where you could have won a Super Bowl or could have been at least in more contention to win a Super Bowl if you would have done the other things? The, 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 the shining, gleaming example of that is, hey, Andy, hey, Andy, uh, maybe this strict West Coast offense you're running with Donovan McNabb who could throw the ball through five football stadiums, maybe bring in a number one wide receiver that can stretch the field. Maybe maybe do that a little bit. Oh, look, here you are. You're, you're, you're making it into a Super Bowl, and that guy on the broken leg is playing in that game and he's your best player on the field. So for me, like that's the most mind-numbing thing about it. And when you look at the situation the Eagles are in right now, there are definitely things that we look at, whether it's analytics, whether it's just basic running the football, trusting your offensive line, um, whatever the case may be, not investing in linebackers when you think about an overall philosophy that just leave me banging my head against the wall. And, yes, the fact that the Eagles won the Super Bowl um, – is a wonderful thing, and the parade was fantastic, and it was beautiful to see the city celebrate and all that stuff. But in a way, it absolutely convinced this front office that what they were doing was spot on and getting to another Super Bowl. Like, look, <laughs> just put yourself in Howie Roseman's shoes for a second, all right? You got banished have from to the— have a crown on. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to guess smaller sneakers. Anyway. Oh, yeah. uh, so, oh no, bigger sneakers, because I'm sure he wears a size four. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Wedge your feet into those. But like, if you think about it like this, you're looking at Howie Roseman. You're banished from the land. You come back two years later, you win a Super Bowl. With the, maybe the deep, we've talked about this before, maybe the deepest team ever. Then you're back five years later with a new quarterback, a new head coach. You're going to think you kind of know what you're doing. So in a way, they feel like they are justified getting to two Super Bowls in the last six or five seasons, winning one of those Super Bowls, obviously. You feel like you're justified in what you are doing. The problem for me is that there are clearly blemishes going from that team to this team this year that are just undeniable. You had to scramble and get Zach Cunningham at the last minute because you devalued the linebacker position that drastically. You had to take a flyer on Miles Jack, who was more concerned with learning electrical wiring for a doomsday scenario than he was in playing linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles or for anybody in the NFL. He's and then you had to doomsday shelter in his backyard. <laughs> <laughs> he was waiting for the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, right. So right. I, 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 I look. There are obvious blemishes that I don't care if you've been to every Super Bowl over the last six years. You got to address with this team if you want to make it back to a third Super Bowl in the very near future. So for me. There are things that obviously gave a stamp of approval and winning that much, having that success, but there are just fundamental philosophies that you can't ignore anymore. And this team is a shining example of that. How much of the loss of Shane Steichen would you put on a scale of one to 10? Uh, 
I would put it as as powerful impact. If 10 is the most powerful impact, I would say it's about an eight because there's a staying power that is there with an offensive coordinator and play caller. There's a trust there. Like Nick Sirianni tried calling plays and it wasn't good. And he said, Shane, you should do this. Shane, you should do this. And all of a sudden, oh, everything looks fantastic. So now you look at it, you go from, and then it gets better the following year. With Brian Johnson, there's a kind of the new guy kind of attitude around that. There's almost a comfort level. There is a comfort level there with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts a couple of weeks ago when he was asked about Brian Johnson and slow starts, he couldn't have done more bragging. Like Brian Johnson's mom couldn't have bragged more for Brian Johnson. Okay. (laughs) It was nuts. So I, for me, I think it's a big learning curve. It's like your mom here. writing a, a, a letter to yeah. like your homeroom saying why you're late. Yeah, no, you should really let Mark Farzetta, my wonderful son, into Harvard. Like, no, that's not happening, mom. Uh, so for me, it, 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 I go back to that with Jalen Hurts, where he was just trying to really, to, hey, you know, Utah. He was a really good quarterback. Utah, he did this. Utah. I'm like, eh, I don't know if that's the brag we want here. Uh, and as good as he was at those Utah. other things, yeah, as good as he was, it's like, did he do it at the NFL? And people all talk about the same thing over and over. He's known him since he was four years old. I don't care if he babysat him, whatever. The, the fact that the fact that it's not getting done at the pro level, at the NFL level, is a is the only thing I care about. And nobody cares about anything else. They just care about, you know, the, the rent is due. Hey, hey, Jalen, you say it all the time. The rent is due. The rent is due for this entire coaching staff. Brian Johnson is a first-year play call in the NFL. That This is a huge thing that the Eagles miss in having a – offense coordinator, and play caller that you can have confidence in. And Nick Sirianni, when he stripped himself of the play calling responsibilities, gave it to Shane Steichen. Shane Steichen, no pun intended, took it and ran. Brian Johnson now, I don't believe he's calling every single play that's out there. I think Nick Sirianni is a little bit more saying it, granted, with the offense having some sputters here. But I think it's a huge miss that I would definitely rank as an eight in terms of uh, one to ten and most powerful impact. Not having Shane Steichen here, not having that trust, and not having that experience has certainly hurt this Eagles offense. Well, let me read you a quote here. Okay. I want to read you a quote from uh, Nikki Sirianni here. <laughs> On changing who was calling the plays for the Eagles, I do not think that that's the issue at all. I think Brian Johnson's doing a great job. I need to be able to manage the game the way I see fit. Thoughts? I look, I look. <laughs> I mean, really, do you have to fall that hard on the sword for Howie? Excuse me. I mean, Brian. I mean, come on. Come on, Mark. Dude. Yeah. Don't answer that question. The best thing for me to do, I would go like this. We're putting things together. We're going to get it all together. We'll be all right. Instead, you go into this detail. Brian Johnson's doing a great job when everybody who has any – who watched bitty football or the, you know, the little electronic football where you put the guys on. Oh my and you God. Start it yeah. And just, even Grandma's, those guys who know how to do that. Grandma's okay, basement. know that Brian Johnson's not doing that good a job. Why would he do that and say that? I liked his, his other quote. And I thought this is what, what you were going to say when he was asked about it. He just, he, he originally just said, no. <laughs> and I was like, and I would have had so much respect. I'm just good with that, though. Yeah, I'm great with that. I mean, look, look. I think it was Tim McManus, ESPN, that asked the question and said, you know, "Can you expand? You know, expand upon that a little bit?" And that's where he gave the quote that you gave. But I, I'd rather have a head coach, like I said, almost similar to to Sean Desai. Like, just be confident in what you're doing. Like, you put the research in, you did your homework, have confidence in it. Not, don't say, "Oh, well, we lost, so I changed everything." 
okay, I, that's adorable, but no, in all seriousness, I want you to have, I want you to have confidence in what you're doing. I want your your work during the week to pay off horrible. when when kickoff happens. <laughs> that's but the first time I've heard that at an NFL press conference. The word's adorable, <laughs> but hey, I'm going to go here. But here, you you want to know what kind of maniac I am here and how I am a theorist. I am a conspiracy theory guy because I I really do believe that there was more people that shot and killed President Kennedy. So again, I'm one of those kind of guys. All right, I'm, I I don't really question the moon landing because I'm I'm Neil Armstrong's kind of like because when I was a kid that was kind of like my idol. When when are we doing the conspiracy show, Sills? Oh, no 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 oh, oh I would love to do that. I I I'm, I love conspiracies and I got one here for you. Okay. So when Sirianni he says. When Sirianni says, I'm not changing who's calling the plays, I don't think that's the issue. Is he blaming Jalen Hurts? I mean, it certainly sounds like that if it's not play calling, if it's not or coaching. he's blaming the players at, at minimum here. Yeah, exactly. If you're if it's not play calling, if it's not coaching, then... Oh, so it's the coaches that are doing a good job and not the players, according oh. to the coaches? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you ask me how I'm doing, Sills. I'm doing a great job. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's, it's, it's off-putting to me. That look, I understand you're not going to announce that you're going to strip Brian Johnson of play calling, and I got to be honest. I know it's always the the fun thing for fans to do to zero in on a coordinator and say this guy sucks and he's the reason. I don't think he's a part of. I don't think he's part of the solution per se. It's the analytics department. It, it that's a big part of it. And look, as good as Nick Sirianni uh, was last year, as good as he is at understanding what he does well, and I think most of what he does well has been the game plan, especially last year, beginning part of this year. I think that has kind of hit a bit of a snide here. Uh, but when it comes to the rest of this this season, I think it's only going to be salvaged if you really start trusting the players on the field and not more so the analytic department. I think you have to trust guys to get – like one of, the big, one of the great philosophies here in Philadelphia is investing in the trenches. So if you have this offensive line, I'll go back to it again. They're this talented – and you're making them pass block, pass block as much as you're doing. I know that goes back to Andy Reid, but you got DeAndre Swift here for a reason. No, he's not costing you top dollar or anything like that. But whenever people talk about following the money, I get it. I understand it. And John McMullen always talks about that, follow the money. i rather follow the talent. And if the talent, yes, is they're spending money in talented positions, obviously. But when it comes to this offensive line, you can ride them to victory time and time again if you allow the run game to get the opportunity to break one loose. It's like you watch a game where maybe they've contained a guy like um, uh, even Christian McCaffrey. You've you've contained Christian McCaffrey, but if you know if it wasn't for that one forty-five yard run, he would only have you know you know ninety yards in the game. Well, the reason the forty-five yard run happened is because they kept on hammering the football, and I know it's a pass-first league. I get that. But when you have guys like this on your offensive line, especially one as mobile, how are you not trusting them in the run game? And then what is beyond me is that one of the things that has made this offensive line so damn good is you have guys who are – you can't really talk about many offensive linemen sales, as you know, as nimble. Like guys that can oh, get athletes. outside. Yeah, these, every single one of these guys is an athlete, athlete. and they're not using their athletic ability. Athlete. So you're uh, – you're, you're just you're not fat guys. Those are some of the best athletes. <laughs> Let me say this. When that yeah. guy Jason Kelsey leaves, that brotherly shove is gone. Mm. It'll be gone because he is the master of that thing. You know, Carson Wentz ran that thing 26 to 27 times to success when he was doing it, when they were doing that quarterback sneak. They weren't calling it anything then. But it. I'm telling you, Jason Kelsey is one of the reasons. I want to ask you one last question here. Um. How are we on the retooling of the 
of, of the defense. I mean, the linebacker core, every single guy that's in and active right now was waived. You don't have one guy because Dean's on IR. You don't yep. have one guy you drafted. Mm. Okay. You have no edge depth. Josh Sweat has played more plays. Do you know Josh Sweat has played more plays now than he's played at any time in his career to this point? And he's still got four games left. Oof. Okay. Oof. He, so when you, people are going, he, well, he hasn't had a sack in a couple of games. Two games ago, he hit the 100 play mark. He's played more plays now with no edge help. Look at your corners. Now, the, the Bradbury extension is in hindsight. Would I have done it? Yes. I thought he was the better corner because of that year ago. But I always said to people, those guys play center field. They're not lockdown corners. They're not press corners. They can't do it. They fit into the system that the Eagles like. Slay's not been horrible. If you look at everything, but the safety, look at the safety room. I mean, there's not a talented guy. And Reed Blankenship, I'm sorry. I'm not building my team around him or Dallas Goddard. You know why? Because you're hurt all the time. I can't have a guy miss 25 to 27% of your career every week or every year and sit there and think that I'm going to have you on my team. As talented as Dallas Goddard is. Do you know that guy misses 27% of the season every uh, year? And not surprising, yeah, for that percentage. Okay. Yeah. Well, how, how do you build your offense around that? Mm -hmm. And one well, of the most important positions today, Mark, is the tight end position because of the lack of linebackers that you see in the league today when it comes to cover two guys like, uh, say, a guy like Derek Brooks or remember the guy Ryan Shazier back in the day? Was of course. On Gronk. Yeah. He was spectacular, right? Okay. He was the Gronk equalizer back in the day when Pittsburgh was playing well. Anyway – I mean, how he, he he kind of like nickel and dime that whole thing on that side of the ball, and you wonder why you're sitting here. This is not a two-week thing. You're last in almost every statistic, Mark, defensively. That's 15 weeks. That's not two weeks. This is a trend in who you – you're not getting better over there. You're yeah. Anybody who thinks that defense is going to get better, you're crazy. The only guy playing great ball there is Reddick still. Mm-hmm. The the thing that's really wild to me is that as much as I love Jalen Carter, I, I, no matter what who you are, if you're a rookie, I worry about the rookie wall. Well, that see, is, not, that is the concern is, with Mark, me. It's a rookie rep wall. And the, okay. Jordan Davis has hit the rep wall. Okay. And what I mean, he's never played this amount of reps. In his four years at Georgia, they rotated the entire time. Mm -hmm. And so when you get up near 122 190, especially big guys, 348, 305. You're getting up near that 70 play mark, and you're getting up there, and you're getting over that. Dude, it's it's the reps. They're playing too many reps. They miss Linville Joseph and Adamic and Sue. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when did they get both those players? Midseason. And, and, well, it was uh, yes, and also Fletcher Cox had just played himself into the ground against Washington, and we Pittsburgh? were all – was it the Pittsburgh game last year? And then all of a sudden they brought those dudes in and he took, you know, yeah. he's played, he's played the best DT in the last year from that Pittsburgh or Tennessee game, maybe to, uh, to, yeah. to this point. I, 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 I think he's played the best defensive tackle all year for the Eagles. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I'm trying to remember what game it was, but yeah, it, it was after he played a insane amount of snaps. Fletcher Cox that they went out there and said, "Okay, hold on, maybe that was a maybe that was a bit too big of an ask 
to ask Fletcher Cox to play that much. And that's where they got Linval Joseph. That's where they got Ndamukong Sue. I would love to see that that same type of resurgence to that defensive line for the rest of the season. I don't know if it happens, um, but I think they do need that kind of break. And if Fletcher Cox or uh, Brandon Graham is going to get more snaps lined up as a defensive tackle, then, then so be it. Because the guys that are still a little bit fresh at this point need to make sure they're going in there and uh, operating at 100%. I'm going to show you something, man. I went to King of Prussia this sat- past Saturday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You okay? So look at this, man. Don't ever say that Eagle fans are assholes. Look at this here, man. This guy <laughs> brought look at this. Oh, look at this, man. He brought this awesome. to the Hooters King of Prussia here, man. And we were talking birds there. Isn't that cool, man? I that, mean, is, that is fantastic. Dude, ton of people showed up, man. We had a great time. You know, I'll tell you what. One thing I love about the fan base, fan base will tell you off every day. Yeah. Come back the next day and tell you a little bit more off. I <laughs> 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 the thing I love about Philly is everybody, you know exactly where you stand. There's Absolutely. no like, there's no like Minnesota nice in Philadelphia. It's like, oh, but you know, or the Southern nice, like bless your heart. Like, no, it's like go to hell. Like, you know, hey, no, exactly. No, no. Yeah. Here's a, here's a great example of that. You, you, you go in Los Angeles and you're like, excuse me, do you know how to get to uh, West Shore? Or uh, West Shore Boulevard, did you know how to get over to Santa Monica? Yeah, you take the 405 and you go over here. You go like this. Hey, how do I get over to Geno's here? And um, what do I take? Hey, what do I look like? A Mapsco? <laughs> hey, what do I look like? Big Ben? I don't know what time it is. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I mean, hey, what do south. I look like? Mapsco? What, what am I, huh? <laughs> Mark, great stuff, man. Don't forget to catch your show Monday through Friday. Get the time out, too, because hey. I – I'm laying in bed, and I hate the sound because this is creepy and stupid sounding. Oh no, go on! I I, I know I I I click him on. <laughs> All right, now I'm weirded out. No. I, don't, I know. Don't feel. <laughs> don't don't be creeped out here, bud. But I I do. I listen there. What's the time of the show, man? Uh, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., the Farzy Show. We do it right here on the Jacob Media Sports Channel. We do it on the Farzy Show channel as well. Uh, and then it's available throughout the day for downloads, podcasts, and all that fun stuff as well. Also on Twitter. And don't forget to pre-halftime and post. He does it from Ocean's Casino. Those guys were awesome, too. They put me up there on Saturday, man. Love I'm it. on the 19th floor up there. They Oof. had two Heinekens in the, in the refrigerator for me. The, the only problem I had, they get they had like a cheese tray. And I'm like, and you know, I'm a half, I'm a sandwich guy. I'm not really a cheese, a cheese plate with the like the I do yeah. like the Galamade head on it though. <laughs> They had a little, they had a little, they had a little uh, calamari on there for you. Yeah, they had a little calamari on there for hey. me. Yeah, no, no, no. And the calamari was good too. I really, I liked the way they cooked it. It wasn't over fried. It was really nice. It was good well, stuff. It was really it, good. It, 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 beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, I'll be making, I'll be making some calamari seven fish. I'm hosting this year. Big day. Big, big year for for me hosting seven Wait, fish for the first time. Then, here's here's mine for Friday, Christmas Eve. Scongeal. Nice. Bacala. Definitely. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Like fully salted and. And soaked bacala. Yes. Like okay. Wow, you're you are a traditionalist. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we will of course our our world famous spaghetti and our meatballs. They're legendary made because okay. here here our meatballs. You see, there's white guy meatballs and then there's Italian meatballs. You see, my wife, her mom made white guy meatballs and that's just rolled up meat. Metagon meatballs. You gotta have the day old bread, yeah. the parsley, the parmesan, the one egg. You put it in there, you fry it up, then you drop it in your sauce, 
You're ready to rock and roll. You're sitting there, you cook it all day. Oh, no. By the way, anytime you see sauce with water and condensation on the plate, get it out of here. Oh, yeah. I do not. That's when you know you got somebody uh, named uh, Mickey, Mickey <laughs> Stevens making your spaghetti, some Irishman making spaghetti for you. Uh, that's not working for me, man. You better yeah. have a bowel when you make it for me. <laughs> I, I, I look, I know people are like, oh, it's elitist. It's not elitist. It's family. Okay. No, 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 no. it's no. absolutely correct. Hey, get this. I mean, on my recruiting trip, I was going to go down to uh, Alabama, Mark. This was years ago when Coach Bryant was still alive. And so I, he, he goes, hey, you know, I go, eh, you know, I don't know if there's too many guys with bowels in the name down in <laughs> Tuscaloosa. I go, how many Italian restaurants you got, Coach? And he goes like this. We we have uh, King of Italy. I'm like, King of Italy. King, okay. I go, who's the chef? He goes, Tommy Chu. I go, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a Pizza Hut. There's also a Pizza <laughs> Hut down the street. Mark, I go, he started laughing his ass off. He sends me a letter <laughs> later on going, I'll see you on Sundays. Good luck to you, man. Ugh. Hilarious stuff, man. He goes, Tommy. I go, Tommy Chu? No, I'm all right. <laughs> hey, dude. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it, my friend. My, hey, absolutely. And if I don't see you, hey, uh, Bono Natale, all right? Absolutely, too. Bono Natale uh, to you, too, my friend. Thank you, my friend. See you. You got it. Do me a favor, guys. I really appreciate Mark. That's awesome. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours, too, with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money 
in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. stuff to hit on yet we're gonna reach that a little bit look guys your saving grace in your archangel is jalen hurts use him you're paying him stop saving him what are you gonna save him for a rainy day man you would never save secretariat for a rainy day. You'd run the horse as fast as you possibly can, as max as you possibly can, to get the best results as long as you can. What is your problem? Man, I'll tell you what. The Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts knows how to play with the money. The Eagles don't know how to coach him with the money. They just don't. He's winning in spite of them. Okay, hey, look at this. One, two, three, nine says Hertz is afraid to run. No, I think he's been directed not to. And they're taking the R. Well, they're taking the RPO out. This is not an opinion. You're going to run over 50 less RPOs this year than what you did a year ago. That's not an opinion. That's actual fact. Okay? Right? Why are they saving him then? Because it's analytics. Analytics is saving him. You know, like I said to you before. Oh, it's funny. I went back on the internet and I looked at my prediction about the Cowboys. It wasn't so much that I said that Dak Prescott would win the MVP. I said that Dak Prescott on August 1st would beat the Eagles in the NFC title game to go to the Super Bowl and win it. I did that on Jacob. I had the Bills going, kind of still hanging in there. Because you got two fabulous quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Dak Prescott. Prescott's going to win the MVP. You can almost... He beats Josh Allen. He's won it. 
he'll win it. Plus, he's got a couple gauntlet games coming up for him. Uh, he's going to win that thing. If it came down to a three-person tie between Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, and Brock Purdy, they'll probably give it to Dak Prescott. They're not giving it to Hurts. Just take a look at that. MVP odds as of today. Dak Prescott, number one, 155. Number two, plus 165. Brock Purdy. Number three, Lamar Jackson, plus 550. Number four, it took Brady. Sue goes, you see what Sue did right there? Hey, Sue. Sue goes, took him nine years. Do me a favor, someone. Look up how long it took Tom Brady to win a uh, MVP. Will someone? Will someone look up how long it took Tom Brady to win an MVP? How long did it take Tom Brady? How long did it take Tom Brady to win an MVP? And what year did he get to the Patriots? What year did he get to the Patriots? It took him seven years. Okay. Got to the Patriots. Took him seven years from the time he landed in New England to win an MVP award. Took Dak nine. All right. Make it sound like Brady won a Super Bowl before he won an MVP. Just perspective for you, that's all. Dak never had a head coach good enough until now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Very few people do what Lamar Jackson did or Mahomes. That young win MVPs. Okay. Very, very few. Oh, and Jalen Hurts is plus 1,000. Jalen's in the four hole now. Okay. Dak has way better talent around him. Are you on your, are you on drugs? There is no place bleach that Jalen Hurts doesn't have better talent around him than Dak Prescott. Nowhere on the offense. Nowhere. That is not true. Dak has, now you're going to lie and make something up. A.J. Brown is better than C.D. Devontae is better than Michael Gallup and Brandon Cooks combined. Goddard's better than Jake Ferguson, who's rapidly getting better. The two offensive tackles are better. Zach Martin, 
that goes to the Cowboys. The center is a Hall of Famer. And you probably get the right guard. You don't get the right tackle because he's going to Canton too. So don't say that. Troy Vincent came out and denied the rumors that the NFL is looking into banning the brotherly shove. You buy it? Um, okay, he must have said that at the owners' meetings. They must have voted on it. Tone, they must have voted on it privately. The competition committee. They must have, they must have, for him to say it publicly, what he's not telling you is they addressed it. They voted on it. And so he comes up with that bullshit because competition committee um, conversations are held in confidence. So if Troy said it, he was given that intel. He's not going to talk out of school and just give an opinion. That's not what executives at the NFL do. NFL executives just don't give random opinions. Like who? Unless they've been directed. Okay? They voted on it. They were Some wanted it outlawed. Probably the majority said no. And that's when they come out, and it's easy to go, we've never, ever looked into it. Yeah, because now you can go like this. It makes it look like nobody was really showing anything. But at the end, hey, don't you get it? When Jonathan Gannon was colluding with Arizona and those prepared statements that were coming out from the Eagles and Arizona and Howie on how that collusion was going on while he was um, the defensive coordinator of the, of the Eagles and how those prepared statements came out, that's all you need to know about the league. That's all you have to know about the league on how they operate. They're not going to tell you the truth. When asked if the league tried to ban it, Vincent said that was false. The play was, the play has evolved. He could say anything. He could say anything because no one's going to dispute it. Remember something. Troy Vincent is like the White House press secretary. That's who he is. He's like the White House press secretary. They're going to lead you in a different direction of what the truth is. Don't ever believe anybody out of the NFL front office and what they were doing. No, I don't buy it. I buy that they voted on it. They 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 talked about it. For him to come out, watch this. Why didn't he just not say anything about it? He could have just went like this. I don't know anything about it. Did they vote on it? I don't know. Why did you have to come out with these prepared statements and follow-up answers? Always remember, look at the follow-up answers on how prepared it was. Shit. Troy Vincent was more prepared than the Eagle coaching staff on Sunday. Yeah. There you go. Matter of two weeks, Jalen's – fell out of, I told you, if Jalen loses those two games, he's done. He'll never win it. Let's take a look at this one. Went to the same high school as Troy Vincent. Troy Vincent's a great football player. 
So here's what the national media has as the top quarterbacks in the NFL. This is crazy. This, this is not my list. Number 10, Justin Fields. Excuse me? Justin Fields. Ten. Justin Fields. Who would take Justin Fields over just Justin Herbert or um Trevor Lawrence or pick a guy? Tommy DeVito. That's ridiculous. This is CBS. CBS has Justin Fields as the 10th best quarterback in the NFL. Russell Wilson, nine. Okay. I'm all right with that. Stafford, eight. I'm all right with that. Number seven, Tua. Sure. Number six, Mahomes. Kind of low, but okay. Number five, Jalen Hurts. Probably right. Sounds right. Look, as far as I'm concerned, unless there's some catastrophic meltdown by Hurts over the next four weeks, he should always be in the top five. And by the way, again, some of you are going, now, Sills, so you would take him? No. But for what he does and who he is, He's a top five guy. He wins. Lamar Jackson, four. Josh Allen, three. Prescott, two. And Mr. Irrelevant, number one. That's some story going on with Brock Purdy. He's got a Brady... It's got a Brady feel to it, doesn't it? Last player drafted. Nobody thought he was going to do anything. Shit, they had a quarterback they gave three first-rounders and the future of the 49ers up for. He was behind Jimmy Garoppolo. He was the third guy on the team. Shit, this guy wasn't even active. And all of a sudden, here comes Brock Purdy. Out of nowhere. Parachutes in. Like Brady parachuting in from nowhere in the sixth round when Bledsoe went down. I mean, am I wrong? This ain't my list. This is not my list. They got Brock Purdy's the number one quarterback in the league. Number one quarterback in the league. He hasn't won anything, not a lead according to Sills. Okay. Sure. I, I reserve elite to winners that win Super Bowls. Wilson, Mahomes, Stafford. There's only three guys on this list that have had elite careers. Got to win a Super Bowl.
Um, Eli won two and two MVPs. Don't forget. And, and two MVPs. Purdy's having a better year than any quarterback this year. <clears throat> how about this one? How about this little how about this little nugget? Of all the top quarterbacks in the league, he's made the fewest attempts. Let me see this here. I want to show you something here, which is insane about Brock Purdy and comparing him to who he is. NFL.com stats. This is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Okay. Brock Purdy is third in passing yards. And let's see, in attempts. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two. He's twenty-second in attempts, and he's third in passing yards in the league. That's unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Trey goes, when did Eli win the MVP? Um, the two Super Bowls? I mean, he has, he's 22nd in passing attempts. Third in yards. Tone just goes like this. He's like, Purdy's averaging 10 yards an attempt. Every time he throws the ball, insane. He says insane. It is insane. It's utterly insane what he's doing. And he wasn't drafted in the elite rounds. It's This is the craziest story I've ever seen next to Brady. This is a Brady story. Last player taken in the NFL draft has the number one seed in the NFC right now and he's playing MVP football is insanity. This is his, how many, hey, Tone, how many games has he started? Brock Purdy stats. How many games has this guy started in his career? He started 18 ball games. No, he's got 22 games. He started 18. He has started 18 games as, as, as a starter. Yeah, he's played in 22, 18 starting. And here's, get this. This is basically a full season so far. I'll ask you a question because you guys are professionals at giving guys money right away. Um. He's 15 and three as a starter. He's attempted 529, 366, 69 quarterback rating. 
He's thrown in 18 games, almost 5,000 yards. 38 touchdowns, 11 picks. And he's got a quarterback rating of 113.8. Since you guys gave Jalen Hurts after 15 ball games um, last year, you know, Jalen had 15 plus the games the previous year in 21. So he had a little bit more of a size to go on, but he was really given that money off of last year. Would you play Brock Purdy the most money of any quarterback in the league if you're the San Francisco 49ers? By the way, he's got this year and another year, yet still to have to play on that contract. Would you make him the highest paid quarterback in the league? What if he wins the Super Bowl? If Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl and he's putting these numbers up consistently, you pay him $60 million, Purdy will get a pay raise. He can't get a pay raise yet. He's still on a rookie deal. Mm-mm. Okay. Now, I th- now, wait a minute. If Okay. Does he have another year? How many, I, if he has one year remaining, I think they can give him an extension and then pay him the bonus like they did Hertz. Because Hertz is still on his rookie deal, salary-wise. And he doesn't get kicked in next year on his base until March 14th, 24. Because that's when the new year starts in the league. That's when that salary gets kicked in. He's off the signing bonus percentage now. I think if you have one year remaining, you get to negotiate that come January 8th. If I'm not mistaken, I think you can begin negotiations. It's either February 8th or January 8th that you get to start negotiating an extension and talk about, see, you can give him, man, he would probably make $200 million or $175 million on a, on a signing bonus, $200 million on a signing bonus. Brett Purdy's going to be the highest paid quarterback in the league if he continues what he's doing, especially if he if he wins it, all bets are off. If 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 Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl, all bets are off. Okay? All bets are off here. Here's Here's the um Here's the way we're sitting right now. We'll take a look at also, too, there's Saturday games this year or this week as we head into week 15. Man, we're coming down to it now. You know, you, you know what this time of the year is in the NFL? This is positioning. This is positioning. Yeah, can you think of another story outside of Brady where a guy was so lowly drafted that he went on to do the things that Purdy's doing right now? Now, I will say this. He parachuted into a loaded team now, but the quarterback was not revered in any way. But I'm trying to think of anybody but Brady. Have we ever seen a late-round quarterback do what Brock Purdy's doing? Dak, fourth round, was it fourth? Prescott's a fourth-rounder, right? Yeah, but he's not winning like this. 
Okay, you know, Dak did win like this. I'm trying to think of somebody that I can remember that just parachuted in out of nowhere. Now, Kurt Warner's story, he was cut five times. So you kind of put Warner in there with, with Brady. Fifth rounder, okay, fifth rounder. I thought he was a fifth or fourth or fifth rounder. Hey, yeah, he makes championship throws. Yeah, many. He he does have he does have the Brady vibe, man. I'll tell you this: that guy Jake Browning in in Cincinnati right now is, is doing some marvelous stuff here. Okay, here's the playoff picture now. Okay, so the Cowboys. would play the Packers. Cowboys win that. Lions play the Vikings. I'll take the Lions. Eagles Believe it or not, you have to go on the road to play the Bucks. Hey, the Bucks are going to have an underwater record. And you're going to have to go on the road and play the Bucks in Tampa at Raymond James. So, I think the Cowboys win. The Lions win, and the Eagles win. So what does that mean? Your opening round game is against the 49ers. ers Eagles. Divisional game. Cowboys, Lions, the second game. Your first game is San Francisco. And you're in Santa Clara, like Yale said. Wow. Wow. Holy cow, you're one and done. You're one and done. Man. Hey, Maniac goes, piece of cake, Sills. I'll take two. <laughs> Dude, you're in a five hole right now, guy. You're a wild card. Cowboys are top right now. They are number two. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I'll take two pieces of coconut custard. Or coconut cream pie. I don't care. I love coconut, so I'm good. Niners, opening round. Damn. Woo. Man. <laughs> Holy shit. Is that a tough one? Okay, the Ravens get the bye. Who let me see this thing over here? Dolphins and Colts. Chiefs. Steelers. Jags and Browns. 
I'm going to take the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and the Jags. Ravens will play probably the Jags, then Dolphins and Chiefs. Wow. I think the Ravens win. I think the Chiefs win. And the AFC title game will be in Baltimore. I think the Ravens win. Here's what I would say. Eagles and Niners. Niners win. Cowboys-Lions, Cowboys win. Cowboys-Niners, I got the Cowboys winning the Super Bowl, but I don't know. 49ers-Ravens, Brock Pretty wins the Super Bowl. Hey, Yale, Brock Purdy wins that Super Bowl, man. It'll be, he'll be the face of the league. Don't plaster him everywhere. See? Blue collar, hardworking, white. I mean, he's perfect. Oh, my God. This guy is the Larry Bird of the NFL. Are you kidding me? They're going to promote this guy like he's Larry Bird. Man. Holy cow. Is this guy a perfect? Oh, boy. Oh, my God. He's white. He, he's, he's like Larry Bird. <laughs> yeah, man. Can you believe that? Wow. You know how the league is, man. Shit, they hate Hurts. Hey, hang on here. So Lamar Jackson is a um Lamar Jackson it wins an MVP award and he's a unanimous MVP. Is he the face of the league? You know what they'll do though? There's two things. Purdy being white and Dak being a cowboy. Yeah. So they can't really lose. If the Cowboys win, they got Dak and the Cowboys to promote. And if the Brock Purdy wins, then you got the white guy and Purdy's story. Yeah. They, they can't lose if they get Dak or Purdy as Super Bowl champions. What a promotion. Holy cow. Oh, do you think the league would prefer Dak? Maybe because it's the Cowboys and more people watch the Cowboy games. Probably that would be better. Dak would Dak would probably be the better face of the league. He would be. Dak would be the – you think the NFL would prefer Dak? I do. Not Purdy. They would they, – I, I think they would – I think they would probably prefer him. Right? Sounds rigged to me. It is rigged. That's what I'm doing here, Justin. Obviously, some folks don't get sarcasm as usual. Uh, but to me, it's 1,000%. It is rigged. 
Okay. I can't believe that they are counting on the Super Bowl before the season is over. Ruiz, you must know, not know Cowboy fan. <laughs> Shit, he won this thing back in March. The NFL is the new WWE. Mm -hmm. When it comes to that stuff, five-star, yes. When it comes to reality, you should be promoting Jalen. It's a great story. You should be promoting Lamar. You should be promoting all those guys. Tremendous talented players. Okay? So, Brock Purdy invented modern medicine. I'll tell you what, LJ, I can't wait to hire you, man, to write my autobiography. You must spend about, I don't know, 800. You must... Type 800 of these things. I love it, too. Thank you, by the way. Um, I, I appreciate you doing that for me. It's a wonderful gesture by you. LJ, thank you. No, it's, it, no I'm, I'm not goofing on them. Fast fingers, baby. That's what my old lady says. I don't. <laughs> Rubbing her neck, jackasses. Don't go sick on me, okay? Rubbing her neck. <laughs> rubbing her neck um seals who do you think was leaking info on the team rtf i believe Derek gunn i don't believe the guy up in boston because i know the guy in boston i would say this that Derek probably texts the guy and talked to a couple guys that he knows close right after a game they probably said, man, a lot of predictability going on around here. And they probably said it off color, like, you know, just said it. And multiple people probably use the word predictable. D Gun doesn't have to be a rocket scientist when you hear three guys use the word predictability. No matter what they're saying, all he hears is predictability. And once you hear a word like that, the one thing you don't want to be in the NFL, there's two things, soft and predictable. Okay. Pete, thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. Absolutely. You just don't want to be predictable. And and by the way, do I think Brandon Graham or any of those other guys would have just, hey, psst, Blue Horseshoe says, buy Anacott Steel. That's not what I'm thinking here. I just think they probably said after a game, they used the word predictable. And a D-gun being the professional he is, put them together. It's not hard, man. Especially when you got a lot of connections in the locker room with a team you've been covering a long time. You know what? I wouldn't think A... Get this, guys. I wouldn't think A.J. Brown said any shit about that because he don't give a shit about predictability because as long as he's getting his catches, what would he care about? It was Alshon Jeffries. <laughs> Psst. Guy, little Nicky Foles, he's the guy. Okay, Alshon Jeffries. I want to take a look at Week 15 as we get ready to head into the National Football <laughs> League's most important weeks here. As we come down the stretch, we're going to do that. Please hit the like button. Keep it here on the National Football Show. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. 
This year, stuff their stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things, Christmas is near, gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now. Hooters gifts are always favored. Any professional sports coach will tell you there's no substitution for preparation. At Malamut & Associates, that is a tenet by which we live. We prepare from day one for victory. Anything less is not acceptable. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game, and the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. supposed to be sarcasm see that's sarcasm right there with maniac seals you need to do six days a week no excuses bud now wait a minute he goes like this he goes i'm so tired of being bored saturday from two to six come on man you know wait a minute he got me out of the dan cave to go to king of prussia jesus criminy isn't that an yeah maniac you asked so much of me God. <laughs> oh man. You ask you ask so much of me, man. Have to get on an airplane, eat food, stay in hotels, show up to Hooters, um, remotes. It's just too much. 
You're asking way too much of me. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I have to get on an airplane, sit in an aisle by myself the whole way there and back. Oh my God. I got, I got, a, I got two, I got an aisle to myself there and back. You know how get this. I come walking up to the front desk. Lady goes like this. You play ball. I said, do I look like I play ball now? She's like, did you? And I went, yes. And then I'll tell you what happened in Philly. And you'll dig this. Tone, you're going to love your Philly fans. So, um, okay. I got a, I got an aisle. I got an aisle seat and an entire row for you. And I went, here's two drink cards. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't use it because it was early in the morning to drink. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I got I tomato juice or something like that and some water, whatever. So I had the whole thing here. As I come back from Philadelphia to come back to uh San Diego, there's this Nubian queen, and she is gorgeous. I come rolling up to the desk and I, she goes, Hey, did you play ball? I go, yeah. She goes, but who? She, I go, the cowboy. She goes, I, I did bucks and lions. And she goes like this. Cowboys. It was a long time ago. <laughs> she goes, since I asked, she goes, you know, we played the Cowboys today. And as soon as I'm off here, I'm going home and I'm watching the game. Okay. I thought she was going to put me in the toilet. <laughs> hey, I'm not kidding you. And so, I, I, I mean, I'm like, she goes, I'm going to give you the aisle I was going to give you. But here's your penalty for being a cowboy. God is my judge, Tone. She put me in group nine. Group nine is the last people that get on the plane. I was the last guy to get on the plane. She gave me my row. Okay. But I was, I was the very last guy. And as I'm walking up to give her my ticket. She's like, <laughs> and I looked at her and I go, that is fantastic. <laughs> I go, you are an Eagle fan. And she goes, have a great flight. Who are you picking? What do you think? Get going. <laughs> Dude, she was really she was all excited. You play ball? Oh, yeah. Who'd you play for? I went, Cowboys. Her face went. It went completely into disgust, like you were eating liver. Yeah. She was like, my husband were here. He punched you in the head. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Hey, the women in Philly are psychotic. They are psychotic with that team. You heard Tone earlier? 
chicks are just as bad. Both of them were like, they're sitting there in the Philly at the desk and they're both eco fans. You play for the Cowboys? What's wrong with you? Like, like I had palsy. She's sitting there like, they're like Cowboys. I did get drafted by the Bucks first. Didn't matter. Thank God I never brought that. Hey, man, I'll never bring that helmet out <laughs> in public, man. Holy cow. I got killed there for that. Yes, sir, man. <clears throat> LJ says, what are your thoughts on Howie Roseman and the amount of control he has? Now, my concern more is about the amount of typing messages you send. I'm worried about your your hand. I don't want you to have like a um, phalange issue where you, you end up having to see a doctor and it locks up on you, LJ. I'm concerned. Let me know. I got a good specialist in case your hand gets a little, you know, it starts to, it starts to lock up like this a little bit and you can't open up your hands because it gets to be a little bit like this, you know, and then before you know it, you're not, a, you're no good to anybody. I mean, after a while, you're holding a pencil like this, you know? I mean, it's no good. I mean, <laughs> here, here, LJ's like this after the show. What's wrong with my hands? Is there, what, what's, what's wrong with my hands? I, I can't stop the shaking. I, I got cilio shaking syndrome from all the things I've typed. Here's LJ. Shaky, shaking Sills hand syndrome. <laughs> like I'm throwing gang signs. <laughs> oh, Maron. You guys do know what Maron is, right? <laughs> oh, my God almighty. Hey, I appreciate everybody coming aboard. Woo, baby been a hard two days hasn't it i know and i think tone's calmed down a little bit you know tone's trying to turn the corner he's trying to look for a brighter day you're not going to find it in seattle because it's never sunny in seattle <laughs> it rains a lot there i right, thank you very much chuck you guys have been awesome xander thank you big joe we thank you, you guys have been fabulous tone LJ, man, right? Shaking, shaking sill syndrome. You know, I mean, he, he, you know, he gets locked up and shit there, you know. There you go, JoJo. Keep hanging in there, brother. Ten and three. You are ten and three, man. Hey, by the way, my job is to sell sports, not to shit on it. Always remember that. Ten and three. I'd keep hanging in there, man. Let's see what happens in Seattle. Absolutely. Two to six tomorrow. Tone, thank you so much for the great job you do. We really appreciate it. And we shall see you on the flip side. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things. Christmas is near. Shop, have a beer. Christmas shopping shouldn't be hard. Give your friends a Hooters gift card. This year, stuff their stockings and yours too with a one-size-fits-all gift card. Buy a $25 Hooters gift card and receive a $5 Santa's bonus card. Make it Hooters for the holidays. Eat chicken wings, buy Hooters things, Christmas is near, gift cards are here. Good at Hooters everywhere now, Hooters gifts are always favored. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.